This is Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. party people we have another episode of stark reality coming your way again rolling out the uh, red carpet to nyc and having a longer in-depth conversation with reggie johnson reggie is an audio engineer radio show host party promoter and just all around good peoples he's been working as an engineer behind the boards at WBAI Pacifica for a few decades now and co-hosting Genie Hopper's Liquid Sound Lounge program since 1998. He has his own radio show from the soundboard, which has been running since 2007, a, quote, program that usually focuses on concerts regardless of genre. This is where the artist and group perfects the art of the call and response with its audience. He does great deep dives in all kinds of artists and groups like Gal Costa, Link Ray, Yusuf Latif, Paul Robeson, Ramsey Lewis, and many others. He also helps promote parties and has a longtime summer thing called Beats and Barbecue. In his own words, he's, quote, just an average individual who believes in socialist principles through music, arts, and action. Everything is connected to everything. Amen on that. Reggie is a humble and real dude, which, you know, isn't always the case in these music and party scenes. We start talking about classic parties in New York, like The Loft and David Mancuso, Paradise Garage, Nicky Ciano, Turntables on the Hudson, and, of course, Liquid Sound Lounge, where Reggie got to start promoting and getting involved with BAI during that time, and eventually getting his own show. We also get into a lot about politics, Palestine, Ukraine, our mutual disappointment with Bernie, critical thinking in general, and his own journey coming out of his shell as an introvert into promoting and throwing parties. Uh, We rap for a while, over two hours, so enjoy this longer conversation, and Reggie also gives us a nice tasty mix of vintage African funk to accompany Enjoy. Cheers.
still at work, but I'm doing this, so this is not considered work because I'm actually looking forward to it. Well, you uh, know, we we won't tell anyone. So <laughs> we won't tell anyone. Don't worry. Oh man. Yeah. Reggie. Yeah. Hey. It's, it's nice to have you. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's ni- nice to uh, be chatting with you after. Uh, I know we were. I was talking about this for a while, but you. You know, I was just looking at uh, your last video on um, Facebook because uh, you do that uh, sort of summer barbecue and beets. What right. exactly is that called? It's called Beets and Barbecue, uh, something I started back in 2007. <clears throat> and it was uh, originally it was uh, meant to be a way to promote uh, a bar, a, a friend of mine's bar, Um and which ended up being something a lot bigger than I would expect it. Um, it was really cool is that uh, I just had the idea of like uh, doing like a gathering where it would be a cookout for people that actually want to tolerate each other with each other. <laughs> and um, and then it just blew up that way. I would have to say since 2019, there was um, things, whatever normalcy was back then, clearly is not the case since then. And, you know, there was like two years of like limbo. I did it one time last year uh, because I had to uh, because I had to move the ven- uh, party to a new venue, but was looking forward to like creating a full season this year. But uh, again, uh, family issues my mother she was like uh dealing with uh, her own health issues and of course i had to help out the best way possible and i mean uh, you didn't you didn't have to but you did i did well it well here's the here's the backstory the venue where i was going to do the thing it 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 kind of shut down and it was exchanging hands and so what was supposed to have been promised that the venue was going to open up in July, well, it's still not open. So it you, was because you know how those things go, you know. Yeah, and also <laughs> we just know that that was me. That was the universe saying, "Nah, bro, it's not going to happen this year." <laughs> because well, what I was going to say is you had a saying in there, which is. Uh... You know, pretty apropos, which is life gets in the way of life, you know. Life gets in the way of life, yeah. Sometimes you have the best laid plans ahead of you until life tells you, nah, we got something different for you. We got a different itinerary for you. And um, that's what happened. Um, Again, um, as mentioned um, in the post that I put up, the one thing I am looking forward to is this upcoming uh, Turntables on the Hudson 25th anniversary party, which I'm actually pretty excited about. Yeah, uh, big shouts to, to Nicodemus, Nappy G, that whole yeah. crew. Yeah, who have been yeah. doing it for, obviously, many years. Yeah, 20. Even, even longer than 25, if you really want to count. But yeah, it, but, well, you if know. you want to include... Well, that's right, because if you want to include, what was it, Organic Grooves? Well, Organic Grooves was Sasha's thing. Um, that's right. But I that think I think they played that. But uh, you know, Nicodemus was part of Giant Step. You know, he wasn't. That's like, right. I think the original three DJs were like Smash, Jazzy Nice, and, and Chill Freeze. But he came on pretty soon after that. 
And right. then, of course, Nick uh, Nappy G was in Groove Collective. Well, you can't forget Mariano. And Mariano, yeah. Shouts yeah, to Mariano, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you, you know, because I, I knew that, yeah. So that that was just, and it harkens back memories because they, I, I know that the first time they, that the that the whole moniker of turntables of on the Hudson was conceived was on a rooftop and it was over at uh, Chelsea Piers and um, a big rainstorm happened. And then when everything cleared up, um, it, it was definitely a summertime thing because when everything cleared up, there were, I remember Regina, uh, uh, Nico's sister, was, well, I was oh, yeah. talking Shouts to her. Shouts to her. I love her. She's awesome. Yeah. And we was talking and saying, I don't know if anyone's going to show up. And then I just happened to walk over to the hockey rink and I said, uh, Regina, I don't think you're going to have a problem with that. What do you mean? There's a line going outside the parking lot. What? Outside the parking lot? I guess we need to get ready. I said, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, yeah, the frying pan days, I mean, that was one of those real golden parties in New York. Oh, yeah. When they Yo, were killing yeah. the frying pan and then they had the pier and the boat. And, you know, I think yeah. they had like it, as much as like three different areas going on at one oh, point. And yeah. Yeah. No, that was it's a legendary party for sure. So, yeah. It, it is out a to legendary guys. party. You know? It is a legendary party, and I was so happy that they was able to uh, took advantage of the branding and just like took it around the world. You know, just like uh, you know, turntables on the Caribbean, on the Cayo, on the Yangtze River, um, and etc. I think um, turntables on I think on the Manges, which that 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 whole concept as well but i just love that concept it was always to me it it, it best represented a mediterranean style party and 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 they brought that energy they brought that positive energy there and it was just great great thing and when nappy g added himself into the mix on that one that just added more to the thing you know and yeah it's it's just it's you know I think there's something to be said about reflection and just think about what has happened in the past and correlate that with the present. And there is something to be said about, yeah, this is how you go far. Well, I think, I think in, in party scenes, it's, you know, especially, you know, if you spend a few years in New York, it's to me, it's impossible. You know, even if these parties come and go, these spaces come and go, they're kind of like weaved into the fabric and they kind of lead into other things, you know? That is, that is. I, I mean, and 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 I think also, um, worth talking about is that I remember Genji Sureshi, you know, from uh, Groove Collective, uh, when I had a discussion with him one time before, and talk about and and props to him on his efforts on creating this nightlife museum called Movement. Um, I know it's an online thing, but uh, but he wants to make it into a brick and mortar um, establishment, and and he said something that was very poignant to me. It's like a lot of these things needs to be chronicalized. It needs to be put in history 
for people to understand that <laughs> that there was a scene and it was a vibrant scene and it was part of the fabric of the nightlife scene in general in New York City. And then you go beyond that because it's it's talking about not just a regional um, area, but it's also talking about a particular time. And I, I think that there there is something to be said about that, that it all well, needs yeah, to be and one, Yeah, one, one thing about parties is, you know, I mean, and you can kind of... When you when you when you have records made, there's a stamp there. But I think sometimes parties kind of have a tendency to slip through the ether, and mm -hmm. um, and then obviously you know those classic parties like say Larry Levan at Paradise Garage, like you know they'll kind of get immortalized later on, you know, so that people kind of understand. Or you know Mancuso's The Loft, of course, and but I think there's also just so many parties that kind of slip through the cracks. That's true. And uh, that's why I think what you're saying is kind of important, because if you weren't there, maybe you heard about it. But it's like, yeah, it's 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 kind of hard to describe to people sometimes. And and obviously things change like vibes change, too. Right. So right. sometimes, you know, someone might be, you know, not fully getting like the importance of some of these parties at the time. You know, that 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 is so true. I, I, I just think that. um Sometimes it, it gets lost in the sauce sometimes. And also, on top of that, you get the opposite effect that people swear out that they will have that Roger Maris syndrome where, oh, I was there during the 61st, uh, yeah, the 61st um, home run where history will tell us is that there weren't that many people that actually witnessed Roger Maris's home run. But Sometimes we 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 have a tendency of some folks, I should say, <laughs> of, of some folks that likes to tell tall tales and say that no I doubt. was there. No doubt, you know, <laughs> and, and and you know, and 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 oh, it's good for discussion. You know, I, I'm look, I'm I'm guilty as charged of talking tall tales, but. Granted, I, I would be inebriated at that point, you know, where <laughs> there was no... <laughs> but I mean, I'm not going to say I was in Paradise Garage because I wasn't in New York and I was you know, probably a little bit too young. I mean, I, I might have been like 10 or something, you know, and I was not here. So it's like, yeah, there's certain things you... <laughs> I'm not, you know, but yeah, but some people would actually say that shit. Yeah, That's so yeah, true. yeah. That's so fucking true. That's hilarious. It, it is so. Mind. It's it's hilarious to say, and you know, and and thank goodness like, that I they saw Larry Levan. I was ten. Yeah, it's like, dude, you could not be there. Why? You weren't there, man. Of course, I was there back in 1987. You were six, man. You were six. You cannot uh, go. Too funny, man. Hilarious, you know, man. It, 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 you know, it's there are exceptions to the rule where there will be someone. I don't know if you know him, um, Louis Vargas, uh, aka Lothkid. Yeah, um, I don't think I know him. Okay, well, he 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 garnered the nickname Lothkid because he was actually was raised in the loft, and um, no, I know some people who went to the loft when they were kids. Right, their mom, their mom was like friends with Mancuso. Right, right. And so someone like him who can say that he grew up in the loft, he can say that because the loft wasn't really that kind of a level of debauchery 
uh, comparing to like uh, uh, the Paradise Garage or the or the Gallery or any other places like that. But again, someone like Lofkid is few and far between, and and again, you're gonna get those dudes. You're gonna get those individuals that will just like tall tell tall tales and say yeah i was there during the time when when the record player when idea of the record player was used as an instrument i'm like my god man stop it it's too funny man stop it (laughs) too funny but we should you know since we are interviewing you for this uh thing we should we should talk about you and your background um, okay. What do you want to know? Well, how did you get started in this music thing? It's funny. Um, that's an interesting um, question. Well, okay. It started off like this. Um, I am an introvert. Um, and I was the one that usually would be at parties and just wouldn't say anything and, 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 you know, and I was okay with that. It was really the connection with WBAI, uh, back in the nineties where I started to make myself a little bit more present and, uh, volunteering during fun drives and things like that. And also I hung around with people back in the day when, uh, WBAI was located, uh, blocks away from Penn station and I used to work in the arcades uh, back in the day when um, arcades actually existed. And so there was a group of folks that would come down, particularly Saturday, Friday and Saturday night, that would come down. And that's how I started to mingle with a lot of these folks, like uh, Jay Smooth and, and uh, let me see. Yeah, the was. Underground Railroad, which was a long-running Underground running, Railroad, long Creative Community Collective. Yeah. Yeah, all those folks, they were down there. And then I think someone said something to me is that, you know, you should go up to the station and check it out sometime. Now, this was during the time when I was going to school majoring in communication. So and my intentions was to go into television, the technical stuff at it. So I wasn't really had no real thought about going to a radio station. Um, I knew about WBAI, but I wasn't it wasn't. I wasn't at the point where, oh, I need to involve myself even more so until I went into the radio station and I just saw the weirdness of this place. And and I was just like, whoa, why did I not go to this place earlier? This is fucking weird. I need to know more about this. And it wasn't about radio per se. It was the personalities. And the personalities just like... I'm, I'm going to describe it like this. Uh, a, a, a colleague and a friend, uh, Sidney Smith, uh, once said this to me. He said, during, during the 80s and 90s, it's like it was very likely, if I ever seen any of these individuals, they didn't remember me. And they said, you know why? Because they were all fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> they were Classic. all you know, so I'll say like, wow, that's real talk right there. So I got myself associated with the station by volunteering. And then a couple of years later, 
uh, when Liquid Sound Lounge actually became a thing, and I used to volunteer a lot for Liquid Sound Lounge, um, I ended up being, um, it was a Saturday night, of course. Jeannie Hopper was on, and she was on for like uh, six, six hours. Six, oh, really? It was on that long? I thought she had like a three-hour show. That's oh, no, 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 no. It was a three-hour show. But the thing was, it was one of those days where a show didn't show up. Uh, yes, I, I have done shifts like that. I've been, yeah. I've been on six, seven hours a time. Right. For that and then yeah, all the volunteers left. And I was like, and there was me and this one other guy. And I was like, we was like, yeah, I guess we go, we're here to do this. And so they was everyone was playing it by ear. And, you know, Jeannie, Steve included, you know, they were all playing it by ear. And by that time, we really got to know each other better that way. And that's when Jeannie said to me, hey, I know I see you a lot in the clubs. I see you don't really say anything to anyone, um, but you enjoy the music. Hey, do you want to, like, would you be interested in... Um, uh, promoting some things related to Liquid Sound Lounge, and I'm like, and you know, it, it, usually I would have said no, no way, I wouldn't do that. Why would I put myself into that? But that day, I said, hmm, that would be interesting. What, like what? And then that's when she would tell me to go to this place, this place, this place, this place, and that forced me to become more communal. That forced me to become more verbal, and lo and behold. Out of all that, I ended up having a personality. Well, of <laughs> course you, of course you did. I ended up having a No, but a I mean, it's interesting, like, what you're saying. I had no idea about that whole background. Like, yeah. And being an introvert, it's it's kind of like, it must be a trip, but I, I think there's something to be... No, I mean, there's something said about the music that, you know, you could at least go and focus on that if you weren't necessarily connecting with people. But well, that the, was the, the thing. nice thing about like real music scenes is, you know, instead of like someone being stuck up about it, they're kind of like, oh, OK, this person's cool. And they it can be kind of welcoming in that way. You know, it, it, it was. And and um, it, and and in me understanding the music and I wasn't involved with like the internal politics of this crew here versus that crew there. It really gave me the advantage at least for people to see me as being more virtuous, you know, more honest and and, and sincere. Yeah, because you do meet a, a variety of people in the in the club world for sure. Yeah, variety of personalities. <laughs> not yeah. not of, I mean, and not you know. Sometimes they'll have really good music taste, but not necessarily be the best people, or or also right. just a lot of competition, a lot of clicks. And if oh, you're kind of coming goodness. at it from that pure standpoint, like, oh, I'm in. An introvert, and now I'm just like coming out. Like no one's gonna feel threatened by that, or you know, even if people, you know, I could see that being like, okay, this person's cool, and you can kind of just almost flow through all these personalities. Well, and, and that was a huge advantage because I didn't realize that the clicks existed, but a cam but apparently, the way I uh, introduced myself and presented myself, that made me like cool amongst all the cliques that were there at that time you know there was like the pop locking cliques and and there was the pretty cliques out there and and there was um the well, ones you can, that you can never escape high school that's the thing it's, oh my goodness it's basically you know heathers for the rest of your life even if you it, graduated high school it's it, you know it, you have people it, in your 50s and 60s that are, <laughs> are still freaking heathers you know and you know and the, and and the thing is it is so true 
is that if someone would have told me that the blueprints of life and society will be based on high school lunchrooms, I mean, like, I, I, I would have gotten a doctorate degree. <laughs> I would have gotten a doctorate degree on that one, you know? So oh, the it's thing depressing, is, but it is what it is. I, it's it is what it is. It used to annoy me more in my 20s, and then I'm just like, well, this is just the world, you know? And if people are stuck up, then I just don't have to roll with them. It's not a big right. deal. But, you know, in my 20s, it used to piss me off more. Because I'm like, why, right. why are people like this? <laughs> because they are. For whatever exactly reason, because they, they are. are. You know? Exactly. Well, going further into this, Jeannie was talking to me about, hey, I was thinking about doing this boat party. And at that time, no one was doing a boat party except for one entity called Overboard. It was a techno party. And but there was both we were both using the same boat, um, the Half Moon, uh, Marco Polo's Half Moon. And, and they was docking right next to the frying pan. And I was like, oh, okay, so who else is going to be passing flyers and talk about this? Reggie, it's going to be you. (laughs) What? You're the street team now. Congratulations. I'm like, me? I'm like, well, I'm like, I don't really. They said, I said, look, people actually like you. And then, like, you know, there was a couple of people that, you know, helped me me out in the past. But they... they weren't like you. They actually, people actually respond to you about this. And I'm like, seriously? All right, fine. So they got me going into, and, and, and you know, the funny thing, um, Jim, it, it was the flyers that I was given. All right, we weren't talking about, uh, we're, we're not talking about four by four or three by three or five, uh, three by five or five by three. We was talking about eight by eleven flyers. Oh my we're god! About, like what? <laughs> yeah, because it's like you were uh, throwing some gigantic rave or something. Oh my god! <laughs> you know because those because rave flyers were ginormous. Some of them. It, it was these flyers. God bless her, um, uh, Charlotte, because she was, you know, she was trying to get all her arts degree, you know. It all it's worth. She designed all these flyers, and I'm like saying, okay, fine. She she designed these flyers, and I said, like, it's gonna make things. I'm not gonna be that conspicuous with these flyers because even if I poke, even if I put it in my pocket, I have to fold it like six times. Oh my god, that's too much, man. <laughs> but 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 anyway, long story short, I ended up passing out these flyers and. And to my surprise, there were people that showed up. And I was like, oh, wow, people showed up for the first time. And this little boat ended up was like selling out. It was just it was just selling yeah, she, out. She did those boat parties for a long time. And, and yeah, you know, the more I think about it, she was because now it's obviously a thing. It's like right. a whole established industry. And, you know, right. you have different styles of parties. And there's the docks on the East 23rd. By the right. South Street Seaport, up right, by right. the Circle Line one. It's like a whole thing. But, yeah, yeah, thinking about it, like, yeah, she was pretty early on on that concept. Well, I, well, the thing was is that once I started to garner more confidence and, you know, speaking in front of a mic, I, I, I kept advocating this point about Jeannie. 
we got to talk about that this boat party, we're the first. We're one of the first, you know, because I said I, I'm, I was starting to understand the, the, the nature and the dichotomy of what people are and like these cliques are. I may be cool with all these people, but at the end of the day, cliques will prevail. And they will take credit for anything that they want. But Jeannie didn't want to do it. So I took the initiative and, and just said that, hey, we're the first. I just want to let y'all know about this. We're the first. We're the first about this. And and that's when I noticed that there was some changes in attitudes when it came. Because it was like I, I never been. Well, it was it was for me, I was speaking of it as a matter of fact. But I guess for some folks, they was thinking I was really uh, braggadocious about it. And I'm like saying, no, I just nothing for no, it's me. It's just to a brag. technical fact, you know? It's not even right. like, yeah. And I, I know people can kind of interpret things sort of funny like that, you know? Yeah. And so people interpret it like that. And, and I notice it's that, oh, okay. <clears throat> people interpret the way they want to interpret. And. That led me over to getting to know some other of the older or the older folks um, that was in the scene, you know, going back into the 70s. You know, the real people that went to um, the Paradise Garage since its beginning, you know, you right. know some folks. I mean, um, that's a nice thing about being in New York. And, and you know, right. we're still in this age where you can meet people who did go to all these parties, went to the loft in the 70s and 80s and you know yeah. gallery or whatever i mean it's nice to see nicky siano like getting his flowers a little bit more these days you know because yeah. i mean he's another one that was you know throwing parties from the very beginning i mean when was the first gallery party it was like 73 72 or right. something like that so and, 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 it's and, nice and, that these people are still yeah. live and still playing records he's still killing it you and, know? and 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 worth noting is that out of the Mount Rushmore of uh, DJs <laughs> in New York City. You know, if you want to say Frankie Knuckles, David Mancuso, Larry Levant, and um, Nicky Ciano, Nicky Ciano is the only one left. That's true. Yes, that's very true. That's yeah. true. And 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 it's always good to talk um, to these people. I remember at at the at times where I started to notice. Okay, who who would who would the the influencers? I'm like, okay, oh, that's Mel Sharon, you know, the founder of uh of of a uh, West End Records. Okay, fine, cool, you know. Oh, that's Tom Moulton. Okay, and so there was a long there was a running joke that I had with um, Mel Sharon, where I keep saying because he never remembered my name. But uh, but I do remember that he always kept mentioning Jeannie. And so I would just say, hey, Mel, Jeannie says hi, even though she never did. <laughs> but 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 that triggered him. That was like saying, oh, that got me into saying this. I think once a couple of years got into play, he started to get he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Jeannie said hi. And I said, whoa. You didn't get me a chance to finish what I was going to say, Mel. I'm like saying I was going to say hi, but he got it. It was good. It was good. I mean, hilarious, but he, man. You know, he wasn't sweating it, but it was kind of funny that it 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 took some time to do that. But I always, well, you know, loved these the fabulous people—they meet so many people. It was amazing, man. I mean, no, and that's what cool, I, man. That's really dope. 
I, I love talking to these people, and I wanted to know about, you know, what was it during the time when they were younger? And 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 I I think that I, I scored a lot of points with someone like a Mel Sharon and a Tom Moulton because I was serious. I wanted to know about what was it because, as as we mentioned before. I didn't go to the Paradise Garage back in 1977 because I was nine, okay? So I could not go. I didn't know anything about the Paradise Garage, even though I found out later in life that my uncle went. Oh, wow, um, that's wild. You know, which was crazy. It, it, but he, I found out about that, like, you know, 20 years later. And and he would tell me stories about that. I'm like, dude... Why didn't you tell me this earlier? He said, I didn't think that anyone would be interested in that. I, I, I was like, oh, God. I said, look, we need to talk, man. You really, you you holding back. You holding back on a lot of valuable stuff, man. We're supposed to be good. We're supposed to be cool. You're not, you, 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 you withholding a lot of valuable information. I want to hear your perspective, man. Yeah, no, for sure. You know? For sure. Because you're talking about like parties earlier, it is. It's like kind of going back to those kind of right. really, you know. Now they're absolutely legendary parties. So then, as you said, like who was actually there? It is kind of special to to meet the people that went there that were involved mm -hmm. with it. You know, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and and that led me into this um, road of like trying to find out. The backstories, the interesting uh, perspectives of of these things, and and I and I took that whole sentiment and and created a show out of it um, for myself, you know, separate from the Liquid Sound Lounge. And but it wasn't just with dance music per se. It was dance music was in the mix, but I wanted to like go all over the place because. I was inspired by someone like Mancuso when he, when we talked, when the last time I talked to him, and, and was just saying about understanding music is to understand culture, and understanding the culture is to better understand that person's version version of humanity, and that was something that I always remembered when someone like a David Mancuso when we had to talk, and I'm like saying. Oh wow, we're having a serious discussion here. I'm like, this is kind of cool. Okay, I'm like, he, he, yeah. He's there's like, something to be said about bonding with the, you know, your musical heroes and having those kind of like conversations. It's it's it is a really amazing feeling. It's like, oh wow, you're someone that's just so OG, and then you're having some really good insights. That's that's awesome. Well, you know? and also worth noting is that Mancuso and what I particularly. I will always have a special place for David Mancuso for me because he, when he came to New York City, because he's originally from Utica, New York, when he came to New York City back in the late 60s, his place of finding out the world around him was WBAI. He was a avid listener to WBAI. That's why I did not know that. Yeah. he He would tell me all the time, how, how much he would be enthralled and listen to someone like a Bob Fass. And because of that, he it inspired him to do parties because um, during the late 60s, particularly, and this was before the loft was ever even coined, 
And he had a connection with not only people within the black power movement, but also the gay, you know, the gay rights movement, the feminist movement. And it seemed like he was creating parties at that time where all these people from their respective groups was able to decompress. And he would able he would actually would play some records at that time. And then people would seem like they were having fun. And because Mancuso himself wasn't really working at that time, he created a job out of creating this thing that would start on Valentine's Day, 1970, and it was an invite to David's Loft, which would be the very first party of the Loft, what it's now known as. So... I was like saying, wait a minute, this this is like almost first full circle. It's like David Mancuso was inspired by WBAI to do what he has been doing, you know, ever throughout his entire life and beyond that. And here I'm talking to him about WBAI and what is his inspiration for doing that. And I'm like saying, wait a minute, this is totally full circle. And I just, I, I just found that uh, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's, and I think that's, you know, that's really important too for people that are, you know, activists and out there and dealing with this very fucked up world and trying to make a change. That, right, you know, you kind of need a chance to dance and decompress and 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 have a good time because you know. How do you have that inspiration to keep going when the world is, you know, so warped, especially yeah. in the U.S. and in the West? And, yeah. you know, so that's why those spaces are actually uh, they're really important, you know, and, and it's kind of like that's really cool. I didn't even know that side of it. And even that the, all the stuff he was saying about, you know, the music with the culture and, um, you know, just being like, yeah, being a. Um, a respite from this world or whatever the term is, you know, from just all the bullshit for those. I mean, it's kind of cool that he was very forward thinking back then for he feminists was. and gay rights and, you know, all those movements that were kind of coming, you know, to the forefront, you know, it, obviously, it, it, you know, like the, the Black Panthers and the Young Lords and, right. and Stonewall and, and all that stuff, you know. Uh, and, and really, I... I it, Talking to him and he, him, he fully understood the importance of community and creating a community through marginalized people. And he and I and and I felt that he always gave credit and seeing. And this is one of the things that I find amazing about Mancusa. He never calls himself a DJ, only because he was presenting the music and he always wanted to give highlight to the music. That's why he said he would play a song from the very beginning to the very end. And that's he what... He was really ahead of his time in, in so many ways. Totally. It's insane. Like totally. even down to the, the, the quality speakers, the volume of the speakers, where you right. didn't have, you know, where it was like a volume that you could vibe to, you can dance to, but... It wasn't like I think all the people that sort of were inspired by him, but then kind of went into this like who's got the biggest balls of them all sort of right. direction with sound systems and just having them be louder and louder 
and kind of like yeah he just had a very like cool i don't you know i i never really had a, i saw him spin a few times right. i went to the loft you know while he was still alive i don't know right. 15 right. 20 years ago but like right. uh you know yeah it's just that whole ethos it's just it's so different than what you know of in club culture like mm-hmm. you know the ego like a dj being like yeah i'm the best and you're playing other people's music and then right. even the concept of just playing so loud as a way to kind of almost sell the music that you're playing be like you can hear it you can feel it where he is like i love all this music i'm not even the person who made it so i'm presenting it i'm presenting it on a really nice it's almost like people are almost you know after going full circle with all these clubs have kind of come back around to that concept now that's how far ahead of the time he was, you know, that people are like, oh, yeah, we should have listening rooms and we should have right. really nice speakers, not just ones that are super loud. And, right. you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, he's he's a very original, original It, it person, was, you know. And he led a very modest life. And the only time that he put serious money into uh, anything was the sound system. And, and, and you're right, because he usually have... Um, like, like uh, again. Um, oh my goodness! Why I'm blanking on this man's name? Um, oh my goodness! I, I, I well, he. Th- there were so many people that helped him on the sound system, and in fact, the the person, if I ever remember the name <laughs> of the person, which is. I, Oh my God! This we'll, is we'll, so we'll edit this part too. Right, this I'm is kidding. so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> Coney Island. Let me see Coney Island. I, 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 now it's in my head, and I have to. Um, let me see. Bumper cars. Yeah, do it. Go, go, Google yeah, it. Cars. I mean, we could we could edit this part or not. Uh, we'll see. You'll find out later. System. It, it's because it's so known. In fact, um, one of. A thousand and one, um, Richard Long. Richard Long. My God, Richard Long. Richard Long. Richard Long was actually one of the original sound designers for the Law. I didn't realize that. Yes, because I just know him. It was like he has those like classic systems, you know. Right. Well, he was he was in the beginning stages of creating those classic sound systems. He ended up creating a sound system, um, eventually for. The Paradise Garage and uh, Ministry of Sound and and so many other places and and Richard Long was one of those people that 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 really understood the science of sound and he and Mancuso would collaborate on I want the best clarity of sound without the music like bleeding your ears and and that's a genius that concept that that like i said even to this day people are still learning that one so it's just insane that he was basically one of the first parties of that and just already had that concept going from the start yeah. it's, it's it's crazy it's, how prophetic that is it's just wild yeah. and, and and that's the thing and to this very day if you go to a loft party you'll still find that level of ethos in that party today where you can hear the party. I mean, you can hear the music and you can hear the music in its clarity, but it's not overwhelming. And you can actually have 
somewhat of a, a audible conversation while the music is playing. And and the thing is, is because he knew that the concept of the whole thing was the entire experience. It wasn't the music had a big uh, contributor to that to that whole experience, but it wasn't the exclusive thing. And you know, because the people had to be there, the food, the the ambiance. Yeah, yeah, food. No, I mean, the, he, he, all the it, other it, you, like what you're saying now with like bringing those groups together. I mean. Because it's it's like a party that's very community minded off the start, as opposed to a party be like, you know, we're the best, you know, kind right. of thing. It's it's right. it's sort of the antithesis of that. It's more like let's get all these people together and have a good time, and it's not about me, even if I'm the one throwing the party and has this great concept, you right. know. I right. mean, it's refreshing, you know, because it, yeah, in this right. in this sort of like music world, you do deal with a lot of egos, so it's nice to. Yeah to have people that kind of have that ethos from the start, you know, especially when, like, again, he was one of the very first people doing that, you know, kind right. of like bringing in that modern club movement that in a way went into a lot of different directions, you know? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. But I mean, but I was really glad that able to uh, converge and find people like Jeannie Hopper who who was yet another person who was like minded and understood um the backstories and 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 wanted to create events that was definitely within that vibe that wanted to be an extension of inspiration of the loft you know so i and you know and 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 for me personally um you know when i created my own party back in 2007 for beats and barbecue i wanted to do something that would have been an extension of that it was inspiration try to create a a a party where you know there was no admission for me and 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 try to bring people in and just like try to do it with little to no ego as possible way easier said than done but more often than not, I, 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 I thought. I, I mean, this I is a pretty interesting journey from you, from you know being a dude in the corner, not talking to anyone, obviously music head, nodding your head, but to helping people out, you just get randomly involved with a radio station that you're still involved with to this day, and right. and even throwing parties, promoting parties. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's a, it's an interesting journey in terms of like kind of opening up your personality in a way that maybe at the time when you were just going to parties on your own you wouldn't think you'd be doing that you know I certainly did not <laughs> not even close I certainly did not I I would like oh well maybe I'll get invited to this thing and more often than not you know sometimes I'm like hey why don't you come to this thing but you know I I I I kept to myself and you know my my business you know enjoyed the music for what it was and then you know thank the DJ thank the organizers and then leave and call it a day you know I wasn't one of those folks that wanted to like oh I I need to do this I need to know this person I need to know that right, person because right. I, I, because I, I wasn't really interested. I, I mean, like I, I said, if I'm going to be sincere and real about this thing, I shouldn't. Yeah, it's good to know who is in charge of what. But to say that I know this person for the sake of saying the that I know the this politicking. person. Politicking. 
I'm like, what is the point? I, yeah. I mean, like, what is the point? I'm like, I'm not scoring any points out of that. Yeah, no. And no. and and that's what ended up being that way for me. You know, I I just like, you know, like um, I that kind of reminds me the first time. When I went to the Winter Music Conference, uh, oh Jesus, maybe it's over twenty years ago, um, where um, I, I just saw that kind of attitude times ten. Oh yeah, that, I mean, I went to Winter Music Conference at least ten times from like say right. the late nineties into right, 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 probably the late two thousands. That's when I started like maybe checking out maybe like early 2010s but uh yeah i mean that those parties were crazy i mean it was fun but sometimes it was just like even yeah. trying to get into some of these parties because you know for a while they were doing it the same week as spring break oh my you know God. and i remember yeah. that you know because all like a lot of the european djs and uk djs just saw it as like a sort of vacation like a work vacation because all the labels would be there so they can network and everyone's in Miami and the weather's nice, you know, but then right. they would just get these insane stacked lineups that if you, you wanted to fly all those DJs out, it would cost right. a fortune. But since they're all there and, right. you know, I remember even like when the, you know, broken beat, like the West London vibe and they yeah. would just have like everybody. And it's like, you know, you'd be lucky to see one of those DJs every once in a while, you know, but they would have like everybody playing at the party in the drum and bass parties. But I mean, but then I remember trying to go there and it would be like five deep trying to get in, you know, and it's like, man, you guys don't even know who's playing. You're just trying to go to some stupid party. I really want to go to this party, you know? Right. It's just, it was like, it was just like, I mean, it was a good shit show, but it was also absolutely a shit show at times, you know? Just, oh my goodness. That is know. so true. So but true. But I had a lot of fun out there and even like, hanging out all night and then hanging with some local friends taking me to the dog track flea market and scoring cumbia <laughs> records after being up all night and getting a slice of rustic pizza or something yes all the restaurants yes. were eighteen thousand dollars so it's like you know yeah. getting lots of yeah. sandwiches at la sandwichery and like you know yeah. the cuban place you know and just trying to like just trying to do miami where you know it's not costing you a zillion dollars and you're having a good time and trying to get into the parties you want to get into. Oh know? my goodness. Yeah. That super is so fun. true. Super fun. So true. So true. Because I remember the first time I went down there, I, I think I went with some other people um, was who was uh, who uh, a party that I was involved with at that time it was a house music party called uh, together in spirit. And um, it was so funny because the producer of the party he was like, "Okay, you, we're gonna book. We're gonna um, uh, we're gonna team up together." He found a room, and I didn't know anything about Miami at that point. But I didn't realize that I was. We were booked in the North Beach, <laughs> not South Beach, but in the North Beach. So that's a hike. Yeah, meaning that. If the South Beach is like anything like below 25th Street, we was at 176. Oh my God. Like, yeah, we're throwing our party up in Harlem. Come on by. <laughs> Come walk, walk up to Harlem from Wall Street. You'll get there. By, by the end of the night, you'll get there. 
That you is know? hilarious. Wow, you guys threw a party up there like back then. That's kind of It wasn't a party. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. It wasn't even a party. Oh, you just it was got your the, room where you were staying. You just oh. got the room, oh, right? Yeah. Right. But the thing was how, how quote unquote convenient. <laughs> yeah, I said I knew nothing. And then the thing is, is that well, how are we gonna get down there? Oh, we're taking the bus. The bus? How are we gonna get the where's the bus? And so that's where I, I that's where I was really learning how to how to function in Miami and by the second time around you know I I, I say like okay I learned my lesson on these things and yeah yeah it, yeah but so hilarious it, well, I remember it, yeah. there was like they only did this I think two times but there was like a Denny's and some promoters yes. convinced yes. them to do yes. you know because everything is running crazy hours like Berlin hours so you know, they convinced them to do like a sunrise breakfast party. Yeah, and they I, had a, I, yeah, they I had remember. a bunch of, and I heard about this party. You know, the first year they did it, but I didn't make it, and it was like they were serving like free Grand Slam breakfasts. It wasn't like a bad yeah. deal, you know. Yeah. And it you wasn't. know, they had drinks, and it's like maybe the people the manager at Denny's like, "Oh, this will be a big money making opportunity because all these people are throwing money in in all these clubs." So I remember we were out, and then it was like six in the morning or something. Six uh-huh. thirty, like we got to go to this Denny's party because when are we ever going to go to a party at Denny's? <laughs> and we went there, and oh my! This was the the second and very last year they did it. Oh my god! I've never seen a Denny's so trashed in my life. The the wait, I felt bad for like the waitresses. They were like, they look completely disheveled. There's food all over the place, like blasting house music of course and i was like wow (laughs) this is just this is like a scene out of a movie this is like just a really bad idea (laughs) yeah just like highly entertaining but i i did feel bad for the staff and uh that was yeah, definitely you, the last year they ever did that party. You really start uh, questioning your life decisions when you said, what led me to this point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the manager would be like, wow, this isn't how I thought it was going to turn out. You know, it's just one of those movies, you know? Like, <laughs> like oh my, my goodness. I'm like. Hmm. Oh, it was so I, hilarious. I'll never forget that shit. Yeah, it was I, so I, I, wrecked. I, I, I mean, imagine a bunch of club goers like just half-eaten breakfasts because they're probably on drugs, and just oh, it's just like, absolutely. uh I mean, even absolutely. for Miami, it was like extra shit show. So <laughs> you know, those moments, though, so they are they are comedy. But you know, oh, but definitely, yeah. you know, saw a lot of great sets and and had a lot of fun down there for sure. Oh yeah, there was there was definitely fun down there. I mean, like for all, I mean for for everything that was there, it's like. You know, from the hole in the wall places to like places like Denny's and stuff, and you know, and everything else in between. I remember, yeah, they had a laundromat, and I saw like DJ Godfather and all these like yeah, booty the based DJs, That's and people right. were actually doing their laundry, and it was like, you know, it's that just... was hilarious. But I mean, you know, it's crazy too that I really recognized the first year I went down there because I just remember New York had so many subpar shitty sound systems you know right no bass maybe because people were dialing you know calling the neighbors and shit and i just remembered any like hole in the wall place even if they were playing commercial music like maybe it's just the bass culture i'm like wow man they all have good sound systems even the podunk places have are kicking new york's ass in general i mean now i think new york has gotten better with sound with places over the years but uh 
at the 90s, you know, with some of the places I was playing downtown at the time, I'm like, wow, Miami actually has fucking bass. What a concept. (laughs) I remember I remember there was this one place where um, DJ Minx from Detroit was playing and it was a dive bar, straight up dive bar. I think it was somewhere it was on Collins Avenue and I think it was somewhere on. 35th street oh so it was up a little bit off the street it was up a little bit but it was a small but anyway it it was straight up dive bar and you saw the regulars that were there but my goodness that sound system was kicking hard big time i'm telling you they, they they appreciate it you know yeah and she was playing and she was doing this amazing broken beat techno set and uh, and 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 it was just some it was just coming out so good so so good it, it was like wow i'm like this is a moment where i'm like saying okay this is a moment where this straight up only miami moment here because yeah no that's what's nice about like stepping out of these cities and going to other places you just there's always a different vibe and a different take oh, yeah. on even even things that you think you know but Right. You know, they're right. just doing it differently. Right. You know, the essence of uh, getting yeah. out and seeing what's out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that is something that is something worth noticing, you know? And again, yet another thing to to contemplate and, you know, retrospectively and, and just think about, wow, this this is this is that happened. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about um, your your radio show because that, that is a kind of an interesting segue in terms of uh, you know tracing back the dance music history. But then also the nice thing about radio, you know, is that it, there's kind of a little more of an open format. I mean, you, you know, non-commercial radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, we're not talking about commercial radio, but of uh, course, um, there's just uh, an aspect where you don't have to necessarily keep people drinking, and you can kind of go and just do your own thing. And that's right. That's how I started DJing, and that's why I've always kind of been drawn to it. And I feel like I always will want to have a radio show because it kind of keeps me back to that ethos where it's like. Yeah, I like avant-garde jazz. I I don't necessarily I can't necessarily play it at a club, but right. I you know I still love these records. I want to have an outlet to play these things, or right. even just like the concept of your show, which I think is kind of cool, uh, is that you do these deep dives. You know, right. you, you you focus on a singular artist and you just really really go deep in there. And again, it's not something that you know may not work. Like okay, I'm gonna play interviews with harry belafonte at a club and everyone's going to be hanging out drinking but of course (laughs) on the radio and stuff that would be a hell of a club to go to that's the thing yeah yeah i agree (laughs) i agree i agree no we we should flip these concepts out but yeah you know it's just the concept of uh just you know getting to a deeper side of music because you know even if you have underground club nights and or you have even freeform you know, like lounges or places where you can kind of play eclectic, you still can't really get as deep as you can doing a radio show. Right. You know, in my opinion, right. you know. Well, it, it, again, interesting story. Um, when back in the early aughts, I was doing a lot of freelance work um, uh, with uh, audio, you know, video, 
lighting, all that production stuff. Um, because I was getting a lot of gigs and um, doing events, particularly and especially uh, Fashion Week. Um, somehow I lucked out to nice work. One. Yeah, to work There's out money with, in them hills. Oh, ho, 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 yes, it was. I never really was connected, but I knew people do. I'm like, how do you get those gigs exactly? Yeah, it's not exactly I, I, advertised. I out, yeah, no, I that's just, good. Yeah, good for you. Well, man. here was the thing. Um, when I was setting up sound. Um, setting up the microphones and and the, and the speakers and um, and all those you know and snaking wires and stuff. I met up with this guy who was this old school sound engineer, um, and I found out that he used to work uh, for KPFA in Berkeley, California, and he also used to work as the sound guy for bill graham's events you know the the promoter from san francisco yeah, yeah of course that's wild that's crazy yeah. man and so i got along with him immediately because just picture this guy that sort of looks like tommy chong with the white hair and the long beard and stuff like that mad coherent even though people may mistaken him as like a a, a stoner I mean, he did partake, you know, but, but, but he, but he anyone who's pro, that's the thing, you, you know, that they may look like they've done like a hundred hits of acid a day, but right. they actually do know what they're doing. If oh, they, yeah. Otherwise they wouldn't be in the game still, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we got along immediately because I was telling him, I, you know, I also work for WBAI and he was like, dude, you work for WBAI? Oh, I used to work over at KPFA. I said, back when? Oh, back in 65 to 71. I was like, that was around the same time I was doing these events for Bill Graham. I don't know if you heard of him. I said, dude, I absolutely do know yeah, that's, who Bill That's Graham like is. legendary. That's crazy. I said, Bill Graham. He's like, yeah, I, I used to set up the sound for Cal's Palace and, and Fillmore West and, 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 and and um and there was another place he used to do stuff but he's like yeah but check this out i have all these recordings that i was supposed to give to these record labels but they never responded back to me and it was like well what are you talking about these things that i have real the reals i'm going to transfer them i'm going to digitize all these things and 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 i just had all these things and 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 it took me, it's taken me such a while to to transfer these things. But you know what? I really like you because you just because we seem like we're on the same page on a lot of things. And when I get a chance, I'll send you some of the digital copies that I got. And I'm like, all right, cool. Of course, weeks later, months later, I didn't even think about it. But then I started to get stuff from the email. And they'd say like, hey, yeah, dude, you're like, yeah, remember me from um, uh, the, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, from Fashion Week. And hey, here's a couple of these things that he would, uh, uh, that I was talking about. And I was looking at these things and I'm like, oh, shit, is this, are you, are you kidding me? Is this Led Zeppelin? Back in 1967, at <laughs> at Fillmore wow. West, crazy man. And I'm like saying, okay, what's the another thing? 
Pink Floyd? Are you kidding me? Pink Floyd with Sid Barrett? Oh, shit. What is this? And then he just kept sending me these things. I mean, more, wow, that are, that more are or less from like, like a soundboard, right? That he had on reel to reel. That's crazy. He had, yeah, it was all from the soundboard. And it was reel to reel stuff. And I was like, oh, I got all these things. And I don't know what to do with this. And then it came to a point where there was a guy that used to do a show here, a doo-wop show. And he suddenly passed away. And that meant that the spot was open. And then here, there was this guy who who does operations in the late night and was saying that, oh, I'm doing all these things here at this time. And, you know, I don't have time to do work. And I said, look, hey, I got these concerts that I got. I would love to air them. You know, I don't have to take every week, but, you know, maybe I can alternate the week with you. You're like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. So I started to play these things. Um, well, that's I, why the that's why the name of your show is the name of your show. Well, the well the thing was this: I didn't have a name of the show yet because it wasn't until six months later, and and then it was so funny because the program director didn't even realize that I was doing a show until he realized, like, you're doing a show. Did I tell you you could do a show? what kind of show is it (laughs) and i told him the concept and i'm like okay that's kind of cool all right no all right you you stay at the time that you're on and it was six months later where i kind of blurted out the that said like wow these concerts that i got are straight from the soundboard and i you know what I got a name for the show. Yeah. I mean, it's it, is, the it is as simple as that. It really yeah. is as simple as that. <laughs> and nice. so it, it just expanded. It expanded even more so. And I, and I found out that um, there was um, really, I started to understand the power of streaming where I would get uh, responses from like places like in London. And I, for some reason, I had a following. Um, from Milan, from Milan, Italy. I don't know why. Well, the thing I, is, I sometimes when you're on wacky yeah. hours, but then it actually works out to drive time or prime time radio hours in different countries. Yeah, you know? and, and, and it was just weird. I was like, for me, it was weird at the time. And I'm like, who would know? Who would do? Oh, I, I guess that the people that were listening used to be from New York, and, and they're liking what I'm doing, and. And once they started to donate money, I'm like saying, oh, okay, then I'll continue on doing this. And and it really started to open my eyes about, okay, how to present music, how to focus on, because I really didn't have the format that I had until, it was all evolution. And Yeah, yeah, okay. things, yeah your show will evolve over time. This is very true. Right. You know, if you have some time that you're doing right. it for a while, it'll just go... It's kind of like, you know, maybe characters that what writers talk about where the characters talk to them about what they're supposed to do. You know, they're almost writing themselves. It's kind of like your show will start to kind of almost take on a life of its own, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what it did. And and then once I started to realize that I don't have to focus on a genre per se, and that was really the, the liberating thing for me. It's like from all the people that I know, 
it's going to be either this or that or this or that. No, I'm like, why don't I do everything? I mean, like, why don't, okay, I could do a blue show this week based on this artist. I could do a a European classical show next week. I could do an Indian classical show the following week based on these artists and so on and so on and so on. And, and, and I'm like, and you know, and, it, and why I'm doing the show, because it interests me. Exactly. That's the, See, that's the key thing. Yeah. That's very, very kind of grounding is, you know, especially I was talking to, you know, my friend Huggy Bear, I did the last podcast. We're talking about like how to try and not get burnt out on DJing, you know, and he's doing these lounges where, He's playing music he likes even. It's not even like, but then no one's really reacting. And it's kind of like, right. sort of like an exercise in surrealism. And it's like, that to me, radio was always that kind of pure, like I didn't ever right. think about doing commercial radio because I wanted to have right. like a pure space where it's like, yeah, this is really just for what interests me, you know? Right. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, am I keeping people drinking? And am I keeping people dancing? And it kind of steers you away from, oh, but what am I really? Yeah, I want to do like a completely out there show or, you know, I want to do a show where I might showcase Ramsey Lewis and then showcase Link Ray. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and that was cool the, about it. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's what it was. And it's like starting to understand the flesh out even more. So it's like, who is this person? And, 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 and maybe better understanding the person with, with the background and doing a personal background on that. And that's the crazy stuff. It's so funny that you was talking about the link Ray show to this very day, the link, the link Ray show. And this was during the time when I was still on at 3 AM in the morning on a Wednesday, that was still my most sought after program. Um, uh, People that keep asking for it all the time. I still don't understand why that show in particular? I mean, I love Link Ray, but I still don't understand what happened that struck a nerve for folks to be up in the wee hours of the morning, in the wee hours of the morning, not even on replay, but in the wee hours of the morning to listen to that show and respond the way they responded. It was just, I, I just still find it amazing on how, and, and again, the show that I did recently just on the speeches and the lectures of Harry Belafonte. I thought that that was no one was going to listen to that. And then I'm starting to realize in like, there's a bunch of people listening. Oh shit. <laughs> there's a bunch of yeah. listening. Yeah. And then of course with the streaming and, 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 you know, right. Yeah. You you can get the stuff out there and it's just, it's cool. And, and even like with people like, Harry Belafonte, or you did one on uh, Paul Robeson, too. It's just right. like, just, you know, again, and we haven't even gotten into We've been talking for a while. We haven't even gotten into the politics, which is a whole other thing that <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about. Um, it's just, uh, you know, those are two very righteous human beings, especially. Yeah. And, and Paul Robeson, like, really got punished. He was sort of like, you know, they, they really tried to fuck with him. Oh man, he way. paid the price, man. He and, paid the yeah, price. Yeah, and I mean, he was just—I mean, and just such a talent, like an athlete too, and a singer. Yeah. And his politics were insane. It's just—he's yeah. just like in another era where we, w- we wouldn't be living in such a shitty capitalist country, 
I mean, he would be one of those OG heroes. I mean, he's just such a ridiculous Absolutely. badass. Just insane. Yeah. He, yeah. The more Amazing. you like read about like, whoa, he did that too? Like, Jesus, this guy's crazy, you know? Yeah. And he was fearless. He was fearless. He he, he was fearless, and he was absolutely fearless. Yep. Instead, he stared at the eyes of uh, of adversity all the time, and he said, "Like that's the best you got. That <laughs> you you need to hit harder, boy. You yeah. need to hit harder on this one." Yeah. You know. I, I yeah, mean, he was, and and at a time him. when people were really going after people like that too, you know. Yeah. I mean, he showed, and and again, a lot of these so-called uh, so-called individuals that like to pat themselves on the back of being like these uber leftist progressive folks. I mean, if they had even one fifth, <laughs> one fifth of the tenacity and the gumption of someone like a Paul Robeson, I think we would be all in a better situation right now. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is that it's you know even the left in a very warped society like the u.s then also subsequently gets warped yeah and it's not even really all that left you know and and you're seeing it you know even currently with like bernie basically you know becoming a sheepdog becoming a parody of you know um Who's that yeah, dude? Socialist bad. MMA, like the revol- revolutionary black network. I forget his name. Yeah. Nick. I mean, Nick. Uh, Nick Cruz. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, he was posting some Bernie speeches from like the eighties, and you know, it's like a parody of himself it, it, because it, it, Bernie's talking it, it, about how you, you you know we need to like start a revolution, vote third party, and then now he's like, oh, we gotta vote for Biden, and he's doing a really good job, and it's like. Are you fucking fuck are kidding you me? It's so, well then and then it starts to become like these words get drained of meaning. Like what does progressive mean? It doesn't mean fucking anything. Yeah. What does even being a leftist mean? It doesn't yeah. mean anything. What does even being a socialist mean to these people? Right. Nothing. And that's why I at this point I call myself a communist and it's like Am I the best you communist? Well. No, but it's like you at least well. you know that I'm not trying to mince fucking words. Yes, because, you know, because I, I am anti-imperialist and I, I could be a better communist in terms of reading and more direct action. But it's like I call myself that because like I'm sick of these. They can't drain the meaning of communist. So then they just right. demonize it. But you well, can't, they, you, you know, but demonize. yeah, but it's like like AOC or Bernie are socialists and they're telling us to vote for Jim Crow Joe. Who can't even put a freaking sentence together? And it's I like, mean, and really, it's just really. insane. It's it's, it's like just, these people are so fucking fake, and it's hard to take. You know, it really is hard to take. You know, and and a lot of people, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but it's like, yeah, the 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 left, the state of the quote unquote left in in the U.S. and in general in the West, uh, it's it's yeah, it's not in a good state. You know, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't, and 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 for me, you know, since we've been talking, um, I always find the connections and uh, to anything and everything, and, and particularly when I was talking about um, uh, Mancuso, David Mancuso, and why he did what he did, and his inspiration came from the leftist politics. The you know, shed, uh, showing solidarity with marginalized people and for to create a venue that would eventually become the loft, 
And so I always was under the impression that people who listen to dance music or or any function of dance music, ergo meant that they had similar policy, uh, politics. Clearly, that's not the case. No. <laughs> not, not even close. No. <laughs> and, and, and which really messed my head up because I'm like, well, yeah. wait a minute. Wait a minute. How? But we, 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 we supposed to, we, we love this, meaning that we love, we, we, we love this. But yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like when you think about all this, you know, dance music culture, you know, you know, music culture in general, modern music culture comes from, you know, black people. It comes from like, that's yeah. where it comes from, whether it's like house, you know, techno, yeah. disco, reggae, yeah. Yeah. rock and roll, jazz. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you want to get to more sort of like roots, Appalachia, whatever, then, you know, you can make an argument. But basically, and so it's that's always been my thing, like, especially as a DJ, like, you really have no business being a racist if you're a DJ because the entire culture comes from the African-American yeah. tradition. Right. And, and and that's built from, again, what we're talking about, building blocks from the past, built from music from the past and then continued. And uh, But then you still are going to have people that have kind of ass-backwards politics that, you know, because that's the thing. It's like, and that was something that kind of helped shape my growing in music you know i kind of came up in this sort of mod ska scene you know was listening initially to like a lot of two-tone stuff like the specials and you know they're all like mixed race bands and then you go back in time to the roots of all that stuff and you're listening to the scatolites and then you kind of see how black people are being treated and if you love all this music you should start to give a shit and at least you know even if you're not coming from that background at least kind of try to understand and, and have sympathy, especially if it's your own musical heroes being harassed and, and right. all this stuff and, and their whole communities being harassed. And so, yeah, I agree with you. And that was also a little bit of a mind fuck. I mean, especially, you know, even in scenes like Burning Man or other party scenes where yeah. you really do, yeah. you, you kind of get, you know, as they talk about that, everyone wants to be bougie bougie. It's like, <laughs> you kind of get these bourgeois party scenes and yeah, the people aren't that progressive. And I feel like there's a sort of a distinct cutoff from the roots of all this stuff in a way, Yeah, you I, know, I, I, because if they knew the roots, then they would understand that it's kind of hypocritical to, to have the politics that they have. If they're, if they like going to house parties, you know, right. I, I agree. I, I think that, um, Again, it goes back to the point about sincerity and, and why are you there? Why are you involved with this sound? And why are you attending these parties? Are you attending these parties for the pure aspect uh, of joy and, and, and respecting uh, other people's cultures? Or is it just an opportunist ego stroke? Ego stroking, you know, right? And, and 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 why are you doing this? I mean, the thing is, is that I, and again, it is hard for me to interpret why would people who is not for real about this listening to this 
but clearly there is. I mean, obviously there is, but it, it is. I, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, it's hard for me to conceptualize how can people even be involved. I mean, with I don't this? think I'll ever get used to it. But I mean, again, you've seen it enough that you're like, all right, again, this is a thing. But I'll, I'll, I'll still never get it. You know? No, no. I mean, I understand that there are people that do that, but I, I, again, I guess it's just like with people that really don't understand oh no no let me rephrase that that is not willing to understand to dig deep into the reasons of why they're content on okay this is what is presented to me and that's how it is and and i guess this is what it is well with someone like me i will ask further questions on okay but why but not too many people well, yeah, yeah I mean, I think there's a certain thing. And, and again, since we're kind of coming, both of us, you know, is on FMU for a million years. You've obviously been on BII for a long time. And BII right. has like, you know, FMU is a little apolitical. You know, I mean, it's definitely underground station, but it's not. Yeah. It doesn't really yeah. have the same quite politics as, as BAI. But, you know, they're both coming from counterculture scenes. And, you know, you kind of get that in a way because in digging for music, when you especially there is some stuff that is commercial music that's all right or that comes out on major labels but as you dig deeper you realize it is really about a lot of independent labels and a lot of underground scenes and there's kind of a training in a way it's kind of funny digging for records that when i did kind of you know get past just the general okay i'm generally left but i don't really know what's going on in the world and trying to start to follow that more intensely and, and you start to realize oh i have to dig for media like digging for records because right. obviously all these mainstream sources are just saying the same thing but if it's not really jiving and you know it's kind of bullshit and you can kind of clue on you know initially for me you know i got on all these social media platforms just to promote parties right. and also to claim your name because it's kind of like the wild wild west it's like if i don't get dj small change as a tag on Twitter or Instagram, then I'm going to have to be like DJ Premier on Instagram where he has the real DJ Premier. Right, some schmuck right. took DJ Premier, but you're like, you're not DJ Premier. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? But you have to kind of, but so I initially just got on these platforms to just grab the name and okay, here's another place to promote my parties. And it's just interesting because and then you're following DJs and, I remember on Twitter there was like actually this joke account that was hilarious. It was called DJs Complaining because it was basically DJs on Twitter being like, oh, my flight's delayed in Zurich and da da da. Right. <laughs> it was like, like corny ass shit. Like, I was supposed to be in first class. You know, it was all these like touring yeah. DJs. But you kind of see like, yeah, you follow these guys, you know, and they're, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, they might make great music. They're not necessarily the most entertaining accounts to follow or. Right. I remember I was following like, who is it? The dude from Def Jam, Russell Simmons or whatever, and right. you know he's talking about doing yoga and you know positive thoughts and you know I forget J Zone or someone's like, dude, that dude has done like more cocaine than like the mountains in Peru. You know what I mean? <laughs> All of a sudden now you're about yoga, and then of course like, kind of turns out to be a bit of a slime ball too. Of course, you know. Right. So it's like, you know, you follow these accounts, you're like, okay, but then, you know, that's when I started gravitating towards following all these alternative media accounts and, 
you know, you're kind of like obviously being, again, what we were talking about, I generally was anti-racist and generally for peace and, and all that stuff. Like, but then you kind of start to get like, oh, wow, like Israel and Palestine. Wow, this is actually completely fucked up. And then right. you kind of like from following these alternative media sources, you start to just realize, wow, mainstream media is just fucked. It's just insane. It you is know, so because true. and so, so when you true. see something so basic and so obvious and they're trying to sell you like it's complicated or even that you should support this, you're like, wow. And then it really makes you it really like that's the thing is I, obviously I still dig for music and I probably should spend more time doing that. But I spend a lot of time because I feel like, wow, there's this whole other side of history and you just realize, yeah, you've just like growing up in the West, growing up in the U.S., even to this right. day, you're just constantly lied about everything. And you just have this like bizarro land version of history that isn't even true. Right. And it's just and it's just mind blowing because since so much stuff is like hidden as the more you dig in like, oh, we committed a genocide in Korea. And meanwhile, uh -huh. what is it marketed as the forgotten war? Right. It's like how convenient for the people who actually committed the genocide to forget about it. Right. It's just like the arrogance of the fucking West. And you still see it even played out now. in the was it the Sahil and in Africa and like Niger right. and now Gabon just you but, know because they're like yeah we're fucking sick of this shit we're sick of being colonized but meanwhile do you even read about any of this stuff ever never no. until no. until now the no. coups happen and then it's oh it's bad and you know the wet you know or even Haiti we're about to invade Haiti again as it Yet again. you know and it's like how many you know Haiti why is Haiti being punished it's the first c country to abolish slavery and right. kick out the French. So, of course, they're going to be demonized by all these. And it's like you really realize, like, wow, we are actually the fucking Nazis. We're living in a fucking Nazi state. And, and most well, people are, like, just kind of going along with it. And it's just, like, it's mind-numbing to me. Well, It's just well, fucking ridiculous, you know? Well, that that's really a good point, Jim. And, and, and what I started to learn is that all of these uh, philosophies that were relatable to the Third Reich, uh, particularly, all of its inspiration came from here. Yeah. You know? It came from From the here. Indian reservations and shit, right? I, I mean, whether, you know, whether, you or know. Eugenics, how, too, right? Because that was eugenics? a big thing in, in California in, like, the yeah. 20s, 30s, yeah. You know, the, the, the thing about uh, concentration camps, that started here. That started because that was the inspiration. Jim Crow was the inspiration to all of that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and also, let us not forget, which I keep reminding people all the time, that Adolf Hitler's, you know, inspiration was Henry Ford. Yeah, Henry Ford is a bastard. Henry you Ford know? is not a fucking good dude. You know, oh my God, that guy is, and those guys helped actually he fund isn't. the whole, you know, Third mm. Reich in terms of you know, like the industry and all that shit and IBM and a lot well, of, because it goes back to that corporate shit that like corporates don't mind fascists because, you know, the fascists will be like, yeah, we'll make sure you get paid. And they privatized man. everything and the workers had no rights and, you know. Well, it's not going to affect their balance sheet. 
<laughs> you yeah. know, it's not going to affect their. Balance. So they, they, the, the more they, you know, they're, 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 they're down with it until it becomes so morally reprehensible that maybe they'll make some sort of statement or, or back out. But well, but especially initially, they're fine with it. You know, oh, they, yeah, they they totally knew he was a fascist. You know, you know they they're totally fine with it. And in fact, I, I found out that not only that Hitler was was enthralled by 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 Henry Ford, and he actually got Henry Ford to sign him an autographed copy of his book, The International Jew, which led to Mein Kampf. Wow, you that's know? crazy. That was led to Mein Kampf. And the thing is, if we were really talking, and this is what gets me so burnt all the time when anyone when you hear these asshole politicians out here that's going into their tropes and say uh name your name your massacre you know for this week and and they will always say something this is not what this city state and country represents and i'm like uh you may need to learn some history bruh because um yeah um, because this is the reason why something like critical race theory is solely needed in, and it should be part of the curriculum because you wouldn't say some dumb shit like that. But that's the thing that they want to, they, they basically want to just keep it going. So they want to scrub history and, and it's up to you to just actually do the research or, or follow people that have done the research and they publish right. it again in these sort of like, you know, sort of like under the radar type journals. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's like within the probably the last 10 or 15 years being on Twitter, it's like, that's, what's just fascinating to me. It's like, Oh, the guy who is the head of NATO and the head of the B was it the BND or whatever the journal, the German like secret police, they're yeah, all yeah, Nazis, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, you yeah. know, it's just like wow, it's just like absolutely <laughs> fucking insane. Or even with like the Ukraine shit, you know, like Stefan Bandera, like of course the CIA was helping him out and and actually helped. I forget his number two dude actually got him to the states, and they were planning on bringing Stefan Bandera. He was like in exile in Berlin. And they were planning on also getting him to the States, too, to kind of... And, uh, you know, the KGB killed him, you know, before that. But otherwise, he would have been... His number two guy lived a nice long life in the States, like, publishing anti-commie journals and, you know, like, Operation Gladio and, like, Italy. Like, just making sure... It's like, oh, socialism doesn't work. Yeah, because you basically hire thugs and ex-Nazis and... Or even in Indonesia, you killed like I don't know hundreds of thousands uh-huh. of like you know socialists and communists. Like you're you're just determined, and like right. Cuba's under the thumb of U.S. sanctions, even though <laughs> they they're you know. But how many homeless people are in Cuba? And everyone has health insurance, so that's why it's almost like we can't have these things be out there because the people here are going to demand it, and then we, you know big pharma is not going to make the money that it makes and we're right. going to have to house everyone. And right. it's just yeah, and it's mind it's mind blowing and then like in some of these scenes like I've been kicked off of parties that I've DJed at for 15 years because of my Ukraine post. <laughs> because it's like they're wearing Nazi patches and these motherfuckers don't want to see that they're fucking Nazis. It's fucking it, it, unbelievable. And then it's people there was like a fucking sex party. 
<laughs> so it's just like these people are like, oh, we're so progressive and blah, blah, blah. And, but, you know, some of the people are, are kind of upset about your posts. Like, get fucking out of here, man. And then they had the nerve to say, oh, and also you're playing too many hip-hop songs with the N-word in it. It's like, am I supposed to play the radio version of Snoop Dogg while people are fucking in the next room? Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, this well, is what I'm talking about. Like, these people are utterly fucking ridiculous. But it's like, it just becomes a thing. Like, you walk around the East Village. You walk to past Velselka or... Or these places, and and it's the Ukraine flag everywhere, and it's like oh my goodness, the brainwashing right. is fucking deep, man. It, it's, it's deep, and, and the people like when I first started posting about Israel Palestine like 14 years ago, I mean I had to block so many people on Facebook because I had people that knew me from the music scene and party scenes right. for many years, and then they're like, "What are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about," and just either because they have family ties there or whatever, but. People just don't want to see, and then you know you have media that also, you know, uh, you know presents this inverted reality. So then they could read these articles in CNN or the New York Times, and they're like, "See, yeah, it is complicated," or uh, duh, duh, you know, it sort of yeah. backs up their cognitive dissonance, and then they never actually have to look at reality. It's crazy. No, you know, no, you're right. I, I, and and I think what's crazy is that. The cognitive dissonance, and, and and it's it's actually they want to manifest that cognitive dissonance, yep. and making sure that they won't truly put the connections between these things and why things are the way they are, and and and, and again, I know that there at times, you know, I, I, look, I wear a lot of T-shirts that has a lot of political slogans on it and um even though that there may not be um potentially uh political but it ends up being as such one of them being uh, a free palestine shirt i wear that pretty uh pretty often and um and always i get looks i get looks all the time well they're and you know what they're angry that you're poking their bubble yeah, you're angry that you're, and that's where I feel like sometimes it's like bubble land. Like you're on the outside of the bubble; these people are in the bubble. You're right. poking the bubble, like, "Hey, you're in a bubble." And guess what? Instead of them being like, "Oh, wow, I'm in a bubble," no, they're angry at you because they want to yeah. fucking stay there. Yeah, and like, you're you're you? just you're disturbing their reality. You're disturbing yeah. their brunch. Like, I mean, I had like insane fucking arguments until I kind of gave up on it on the Burning Man, New York Burning Man listserv because Burning Man has an official burn in Israel. Mid-burn. Jesus Christ. And it's an official Seriously? burn. Yes. Oh, my God. And I, 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 I came up with this term, you know, radically inclusive apartheid because that's like, you know, Burning Man's whole thing. They're radically inclusive. So, yeah, so it's radically inclusive apartheid. So, and if so, that sounds ridiculous, that's because it fucking is fucking ridiculous. Oh Absolutely, fu but dude, oh my god! I oh mean, these are this is when I used to argue online, and these arguments would just go for days and days. It was like yeah. me against like forty different Burning Man people yeah. telling me like you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, citing every you know Times of Israel or all these right wing sources with like made up quote unquote facts. And just yeah. like like they they have yeah. that's the thing about the whole bullshit thing is it has to be so big 
and right. so massive for everyone to keep believing it. And so they've created like again an entire world that's just complete bullshit. Built but, on bullshit, continued, you know, anyways, I didn't mean to cut you but, off. But you yeah, know. I mean, but just, just to go further on what you were saying about that, all these places where they will find um, whatever argument to defend and they go to these white, right wing places where it's easily, easily that can be countered by going some other places if you search hard enough, but they don't want to do that. No, they're not going to go they, there. They don't want to go there. They don't want to burst that bubble. They want to continue to say that everything is all right. Somehow, the 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 the, the excuse, the old the narrative that's always touted is that saying, "Oh, Israel has the right to, to defend themselves." And I mean, I'm they like, come, saying, they come up with these fucking lines I, like Israel I, has a right to exist. It's like who? What other nation even claim they? Well, they even claims this shit. It's just I, I, it's utter I, bullshit slogans. It's just I, bullshit slogans. I, I, I really don't get it because, you know, you're saying all the time and say, well, what about the Palestinians? I mean, the Palestine was there first. I'm sorry. Just like with this country, this country was built on top of oppression. It was on top of genocide. And Israel is doing the same goddamn thing over there. And that's why we sponsor them. And that's why yeah. the West, I, I just I am like so fed up with like the U.S. and the West. It's like. The whole Western colonization thing. And again, it's really coming out now even in Africa, too. Like these yeah. deals where they basically yeah. have all these resources and yet they're still shit poor. And it all goes to France or it all goes to the West or it goes to Canadian right. mining companies or whatever. And, and I'm just tired of like, you know, not only am I tired of it happening, I'm tired of people thinking that this isn't what it is and you know based on like whatever mainstream news article you've yeah. read or some think yeah. tank shit or some bullshit politician bullshitting it's like yeah i'm kind of tired of people being gullible i guess yeah. i just i really don't think people are this stupid you know i mean you're a grown-ass adult and you can't see <laughs> that israel is a fucking apartheid state you have you fucking know, issues even... then you <laughs> have issues and yeah. you know it's the, this does not make me friends but yeah. I'm sorry. It's just the fucking truth. If you're a grown-ass adult and you can't figure out some of this shit, you need to fucking look at yourself. And you need I to look agree. at the fucking sources you're reading. Because fucking A, man. It I is agree. not a good look. It, I agree. I agree. Terrible I absolutely look, agree. I, I, and again, I, and, and it's getting to the point where it has gotten so bad is that some people don't even care about how egregiously bad it is. And, well, and that's the thing. Apathy and nihilism are right. actually um, an entitled look because, it you is. know, someone like who's in Gaza or in the West bank with like these pogroms and like these incursions by the IDF and they don't have time to be fucking nihilistic or apathetic. They're trying to fucking survive. Yeah. And, and at the very least we can do if we're living a better life in the West or at least with less oppression in some ways, even though we are oppressed, of course, too, is just to fucking so 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 solidarity and just fucking, you know, do whatever you can, really. And, and, and really, which is it, which is more than doing nothing or more than giving up, you know. And, and 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 that's really the main deal is that doing what you can, showing solidarity, you know, because I like to think 
that whenever struggles that are out there in the world, I identify, I identify to any person that is struggling, that that is marginalized. I mean, I feel for those people out in Hawaii, out in Maui right now that exactly. they found out that 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 their entire town was, you know, ended up in ash and the people that are missing, um, most of them are probably are ash right now. And, 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 and yet we're going to talk about them getting only $700 per household. And yet another $35 billion went to Ukraine for what? For a war that they're going to lose and they're going to literally kill every fucking Ukrainian. There was like a post the other day where it's like, we're proud Ukrainians in their 50s and 60s fighting to fight. I mean, it's fucking sociopathic shit because they're they're framing it like, oh, yeah. No, no. And it's 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 funny, but it's not actually funny. It's really tragic because it's like they fucking have ground through. Like, you know, there's estimates of 400,000 people dead. I mean, imagine if like 400,000 Americans died. You know, the war. And then this is and this is the insidiousness of the West of the U.S. is that, you know, people don't care because it's not Americans dying. Yeah. And again, it's just like there's just like a general lack of empathy that maybe, again, it's trained by mainstream media and people trusting these sources that. They just go along with it, but by going along with these sources that are basically the voice of the State Department, the boy, the voice of the elite, you end up being as big an asshole as these people are because you're believing what they're telling you. Well, you know? constructive, constructive thought, critical thinking, that's a lost art. That is definitely a lost art. And anyone that has the ability to, to, to analyze between i'm not even going to say right and wrong but from group a from group b then god bless you i mean you still you have a talent because but 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 the thing is is that where collectively there is such an unwillingness to go and figure out even further of what's going on it's like you you can't even you know it, it's like there was a scene um uh the movie the the pixar film wally and and it was showing this futuristic scene of of people uh living in spaceships and and all the people that were there that was living in spaceships and the only reason why i'm saying this is that they've been on floating devices in these spaceships for so long that they have lost the ability of walking because their legs became atrophied. And I think that that's what the society that we're living right now is that we lost the art of critical thinking. And when we lose that uh, ability to think, well, guess what atrophies? It's the brain. Yeah, no, it becomes like you have a gullible as fuck population that will fall for any kind of like psyop campaign like I remember all these people, like, you know, especially a lot of Burning Man people, but other people, too, that couldn't really be bothered to even care what's going on in Israel and Palestine, much less that our money funds it, much less that even Israel teams up with 
I mean, uh, Burning Man teams up with Israel to throw a fucking regional burn. But meanwhile, like when there's all these bullshit stories like, oh, there's a genocide with the Uyghurs and, you know, and Xinjiang or whatever, you know, and just that that (laughs) whole fucking campaign that was all completely built on bullshit. bullshit. It was built on like Adrian Zentz and like these fucking psycho like victims of communism like who are essentially Nazis, you know what I mean? I mean, the funniest thing right. about victims of communism is in their quote-unquote victims of communism, who do you think is also in the tallies? Dead Nazis. <laughs> they count them as victims. It's like, no. How are they victims? Fuck them. But, but You know, how- but I'm just saying, like, those are the people that are saying, like, China is creating this genocide. I remember so many people. I mean, that's but- the thing that you see just on the ground on Facebook with, just the people, you know, because Twitter, I'd sort of like you control, you follow or right. X or whatever, fuck, like fuck Elon Musk, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but like, you know, but like Facebook, it's sort of like people you meet and whatever. And so it almost becomes like a barometer of like what's out there. And like, man, it's just amazing the sort of things that I've seen, especially when Facebook was more active and I was more active on it like 10 years ago. Right. What? people would be fooled by they'd be fooled by basic psyops and russiagate and and all this stuff and you know and, and you still see it to this day cornell right. west is a spoiler right and you gotta vote right. for joe right. biden and joe right. biden's right. doing a good job and you know just all the well, things they metric? still keep trying to fucking ram down our throats and it's like that's well, the thing that's metric? just insidious it's just i get tired of the bullshit i get tired well, of being bullshitted but- but, you know, no one is ever going to accuse Amnesty International as being this ultra uh, radical organization. But this is worth uh, noting. How is it that Amnesty International at times can get it right? And what I'm saying is that they checked China, they checked Israel, and they said that, huh, it looks like Israel is the apartheid state and China is not killing Uyghur people because the population of the Uyghur people has actually grown. It's the, it's the only genocide where there's no bodies, no refugees, no evidence. Right. But, but, but then it will still be repeated ad nauseum. And again, not just even in right-wing newspapers, even the, <laughs> the quote-unquote Guardian, like... I mean, they they basically because there was that that CIA agent that was talking about, you know, how they just had contacts in all these newspapers and they called it the mighty Wurlitzer. Right. And it's just a big organ that they send out a story and maybe it gets bounced from a foreign service to AP or Reuters and then gets picked up by everyone. And that's the mighty Wurlitzer. It's this big organ that's just. We want to churn out this story, and we want yep. to churn out that story. Yep. And yep. even in Ukraine, like before, you know, before uh, Russia, you know, came in and all that stuff. Like you look at stories in 2014, 2016. It's like, oh, the Azov Battalion are Nazis, and then all of a sudden, oh, they're heroes. And even John Stewart's giving them props, and it's just like, I know what what yeah. happened to these people? Is this the what? fucking I- left? Christ, bro. I, I, it's, it's just it's like, amazing. it's fucking depressing, man. But you know that derangement <laughs> syndrome, man, it is real. It's crazy. It is real. It is just amazing how many people just willing, head first, dived into being duped. And they're okay with that. Yeah. And I'm like saying, who, 
I mean, it, it, so the person that I follow that I have respect for all this time, you was like this all this time. Yeah. I mean, I DJ hmm. fucking, you know, fundraisers for Bernie in 2016. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't think he was the best candidate. And, you know, again, he, he showed signs, you know, like he hired that dude, Matt Duss, to be his yeah. like foreign policy type dude. And that guy kind of sucks. He's like a perfect encapsulation of like a fake left pro-imperialist type of guy like he seems yeah. like he's left but then he's like maduro is evil and venezuela is evil and you know like even if he has some milk toast statements on like criticizing israel a little bit like you know and he was a full-on russiagator and so it's like you know then it scratches your head like why are you hiring this guy to be your foreign policy unless you're kind of whack because right. you're hiring someone who's fucking whack so, I mean, even Bernie had cracks back then, but it's like now it's just like. And the thing is, yeah. they, they fucking sabotaged his campaign twice, and then yeah. he's still sheepdogging for them. And it's just it, like. It's just really. Oh, like, it's amazing. like the, you know, cuckolding, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, just. It's just pathetic. Like, why would you get behind people who have fucked you? And, it's and, just and again, unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. He would rather deal with the people who fucked with them rather than showing solidarity of the people who supported him. Dude, the people who gave him nickel and dime type fucking donations who don't even have money giving this motherfucker money. I, I just like I never want to give a U.S. politician money again. Oh, I mean, my God, maybe no. I'll give Cornell West some money, but I'm just saying yeah. like in general, never. Never. Yeah, it, never. Learned, give man. the fucking lesson like direct learned. action groups. Fuck lesson these people. Learned. You know, Fuck I mean, these like, people, man. Yeah, really. It's it, it, awful. It's, it's, he took it, money it's, from people that probably did not have a lot of money that were hoping no, for a future. No, and then no. He, what is he saying? Vote for fucking Joe Biden. Fuck Joe you, man. Biden. I'm like, Fuck really? you. I mean, Fuck these tell people, the, man. Tell the, the dude's people a fucking that, zombie, too, on top of that. He's like a racist oh zombie. Tell the people that in Maori. Tell the people that in East Palestine. You know, there are people. I know. You know, Biden didn't even show up to East Palestine. Of course he not. He still has yet to show up. Of course not. He still has yet they, to they show up. They sweep the shit. This is the whole thing about U.S. empire and all this shit. It's just rotting. It's just a rotten thing, rotten to the core. You know, you have all this homelessness. You have fucking hedge funds buying up single-family houses. So that the rents are just out of control. I mean, the rents are just crazy. I yeah. mean, it's just, and that is a direct correlation to homelessness. Because then, and then they won't raise the minimum wage. Yeah. So how yeah. are you supposed to like live in any city, making even like ten, twelve dollars an hour, much less seven twenty-five? I was just going to say about um, the minimum wage is uh, is that um, how is it that people and I know that it, this is a uh, a narrative that's being pushed out there, but for the life of me, for anyone of those individuals that say that the economy is doing better has not in, interact with real people in a long, long time. I mean... And you, I think that's the point. Right, right. Because they're not in the subway. They're not seeing the multitudes of homeless people. I mean, I'm right out now. If I go downstairs outside of the building right now, there is two homeless people that is now sleeping on the benches um, right now. And I think one of them is a migrant. One of them is a person is, it was a, is a migrant uh, individual. 
Um, but, you know, that's neither here or there. But the point being, how can you say to me that everything is all right? Maybe for you, but it ain't for the majority. That's clear. I mean, and, and, and for anyone to buy into that narrative that somehow the economy is better. And I'm like saying, again, for who? For who? Who, who Who's benefiting? Ain't me. Ain't you. It's, because... cra- it's crazy. I mean, it's just, again, the, the lies are so brazen that you're just like, again, it's just fuck off with this. It's just insane. You know, right? Oh, the economy is doing great. Why? Because your stock portfolio is good. Well, people I mean, like really. are getting driven out of these cities. I mean, you know, I mean, the rents are insane. Right. Insane. And, insane. And, and no one and no one is talking about, hey, the um, there are people that are still on the brink. Seven and a half million people in this country are still on the brink of being homeless because, hey, the back rent that they couldn't, uh, for no fault of their own, couldn't pay for during that whole pandemic um, period. But yet, no one talks about that. Just like with the multitudes of people that are suffering in East Palestine and the multitudes of people that are still suffering in Maui. And Lord knows, uh, and we're not even going to go there with... um, with uh, folks like in uh, Flint, Michigan, and other folks similar to that, who don't even have clean drinking water, I, w- again, how is it better? <laughs> how yeah, is it but better? I mean, that's that's the thing is that you know, you're we're supposed to just read these articles and just think like, oh, okay, well, this article said this, and that's why, or even you know, you listen to. The White House spokesperson, like, well, that's the maximum that they can give under FEMA. So it's again, it's the classic like Democrats, our hands are tied. And, I, you know, well, then how did you give another 40 billion to Ukraine? Right. I don't know. It's just, you know, I mean, it's just it's 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 just like it, I don't know. It's, you know, as as many people have pointed out, including myself, it's like Lucy with the football. It's like how it many is. times are we going to be is. fooled? Right, it, it really just, is. It's it's ridiculous. And, and and they're making the attempt again, dead in your face, saying that oh, you got to vote for this person in order to to obtain um um what is it uh uh right uh the right for the women to choose. And I'm like saying, well, dude, you was in the administration. You was part of the administration that saw it lapsed out and what are you bringing you didn't you didn't go and codify any of this into law let alone something like affirmative action or anything else for that matter but you're going to use this as a talking point as a way of getting votes and And that's essentially and that's essentially the con is that you have to vote for us otherwise it's going to be overturned meanwhile they don't do anything again to, to to codify it into law you know, right. and, 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 you know, again, like when you start to pay attention to foreign policy and you care about, you know, not just all of the fucking ridiculous shit going on in this own country, but, you know, what we're doing in other countries, the countries that we destroy, the the yeah. fascist states abroad, uh, that you know, that we supported ISIS to destabilize Syria and, yeah. 
and all the yeah. fuckery with the coup attempts in Venezuela and yeah. Bolivia and all these different places. And then you see, oh, Joe Biden is hiring Elliot Abrams, <laughs> just like Trump did. It's, and, and again, then and then you have people who are like, well, vote blue. They're not the same. And da da da. And it's just like, I, I, again, I'm sorry. I, I'm they they these whom? people have lost me, man. These people have lost me so fucking hard, like years ago. And, and right. like you know, just you know, especially when the RussiaGate shit was in full effect. Like the amount of like flack I got from people in 2016 because oh I was God. not down with Hillary, who was also a fucking monster. But, and but, it's just like. You know that's that's why I I just don't even argue on social media anymore. No, like, I, get the I, I fuck off going. my lawn. Get off my fucking lawn. I will zap you. I get me that. Yeah, no, it's like I, I there's that Vincent Price commercial from the mid '80s, which is him with you know with the bug zapper commercial. You know, <laughs> and it was like it's like his wife is like. I asked him what he wanted for his birthday, and this is what he got. And it's like the bugs ever, and Vincent Price has got his doing his best Dracula. And he's like, ooh, uh, yes. Right. But it's just like, yeah, that's how I look at these people. I will zap you. Get yeah. the fuck off my wall with this bullshit. The arrogance. It's, it's like some of the most clueless people are also the most arrogant that will step to your wall. Oh, man. Like, I'm that's not stepping like, to your wall when you post dumbass shit. Stuff I can stay off mine, man. You know, and, and again, again, and, and they the one that make the effort of telling you that you're wrong and you're paying close attention to this. And I'm like saying, well, are you paying close attention to any of this? Or are you just following the tropes of whatever Rachel Maddow said to you? Dude, they, these, these people, this is what I'm saying. And this is what I've really noticed with Israel, Palestine, and also with like this Ukraine shit and all kinds right. of stuff is that people who live in the bubble do not like it when you poke the bubble because Yo, then yeah. it makes them have to think about a lot of other shit. And guess what? All that other shit you believe is also complete bullshit too. And they yeah. don't want to have a fucking nuclear breakdown of like crisis of personality. So it's just like stay in the bubble. Right. Stay in and the then, bubble. And then you, and then and you they're angry people. that you're poking it. You know? Right. And then there leads there lies people who actually will make a serious argument saying that nuclear annihilation, yeah, you can survive it. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, those articles are just, now you really know, like, the level <laughs> of, like, sociopaths. Again, we laugh because we're just trying to cope with this shit, but it, it's not funny, but it is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Like, you yeah. literally had articles being floated out that, you know, we could win a tactical nuclear war. Like, there is such a thing. As if. Like, there is such a thing. Like, like I'm... we're going to drop these bombs and Russia's just bluffing. They're not going to. It's like, motherfucker, you know who's the bullshitter? Us. Yeah. And you know who's not bluffing? Fucking yeah. Russia. Fucking yeah. China. Why? And they're not even. They're just like, essentially, they're like, yo, we know that you guys have been fucked up for like hundreds of years. Just leave us alone. Yeah. You know, be lucky these people are not even trying to get revenge on all the shit that we've done. Right. Like the, the the century of humiliation in China. You know, all the shit that like the Western powers have done. They're not even trying to get vengeance. They're just like fucking stop. 
Well, and it, don't it, blow up in the world throwing a temper tantrum because you can't run it anymore. And that's the right. thing that I, you know, that's when you see those articles are like, oh, we can win a tactical nuclear war. It's a fucking baby throwing a temper tantrum because the U.S. is not going to have hegemony over the world. And so they're like, well, maybe we can nuke them and they won't nuke us back. I'm like, are you on crack? I, 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 these I people are the, smoking I, some I, fucking I don't get drugs. the logic. I don't. There understand. is no logic. They're there crazy. Is, yeah. It really is. They're crazy and they have a job at the Washington Post writing this shit for some fucking think tank. I mean, and really, it's like, and you know, and I know you have thought of this. I swear out that some of these people who write in the Washington Post as well as the New York Times, you know what? It has to be AI generated at this point because it just, it just seems, or maybe I'm, I'm giving, I'm, um, giving credit to uh, AI because the thing is, is that some of those AI articles can be coherent, but it's just, but you know, have they're you well, seen- they're well, I mean, what they are is they're complete sellouts. The people mm-hmm. know they are. And so they're very well paid, like Tom, whatever, Freeland or whatever. I mean, isn't he married to like the Heinz fortune or yeah. something? I yeah. mean, and he still gets paid or Brett Stevens and these guys. And yeah, they, they you know, they, they're, not stupid. I mean, they're complete, morally bankrupt fucks, racist, yeah. always yeah. imperialists, totally. and so they are looking for smart racists to write articles that other smart people who don't think they're racist or imperialist right. will nod ahead, right? And nod their heads and be like, "I'm still liberal. I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not a Fox News fascist." But this this Brent Stevens article really makes sense. Well, it, it goes to show you that Ludicrous. we have gotten to a point where, you know, again, we've we, we seen the same circle of people that always like to mock and point at the folks that listen to Fox News and like saying, but look, your bubble over here is just as crazy. I mean, it's gotten, it's gotten to the point where you may actually see some moments of clarity over in Fox News rather than MSNBC and CNN. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, I am not a fan of Tucker Carlson in any right. way. He's a white right. supremacist. Right. He's also a trans gay, you know, bigot. Yeah. Anti-trans. Like, yeah. he's got, yeah. you know, he also like hate mongers on China, which is like this weird right. thing where the Democrats right. all hate Russia and then the, the GOP hates China, you know. Right. But because he kind of has that lens of you know kind of looking at some of the shit some of his takes on ukraine have actually that's what's funny i end up sometimes watching this libertarian channels you know because i've been following a lot of stuff with scott ritter like his analysis is really good occasionally he'll say a few things i'm not totally into but you know he'll get invited he kind of just goes everywhere that he gets invited so he gets invited on these like libertarian type shows and and the host sometimes again will say shit that I'm not into. But I'm just trying to follow what's going on with the war from actually no, people you. who are following it and actually right. aren't brainwashed by this perspective. And, you know, you can get good analysis, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. other things that, you you know, you can shelve. And, and like I said, I can't even really fuck with Tucker Carlson. He's too much of no. a racist. No, no. I and mean, and but... I can't really fuck with libertarians in general at all. But, right. but yeah, but... occasionally these people, because um, they are... They Broken that's what clock moments. Yeah, well, and yeah, and not only that, it's kind of crazy is that they 
they kind of see through Russiagate because even though obviously Trump has his major, 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 major problems in terms of being a human being, but uh, but you know one thing is the Russiagate thing is bullshit. Like there's there's <laughs> oh. lots of things you can indict Trump on, and he's not a good person at all, and he is a racist. I'm not a fan <laughs> of him, but it's like just because all those things are true doesn't mean that the Russia helped him fucking get elected, and people on the right can see. The bullshit of that DNC type but, of game. Let know? us not forget. Let us not forget about this. Is that back in 2016, and you know when all this stuff happened, and then when Hillary's people started to start touting this trope about Russia being involved with the election because uh, and and Trump was illegitimate, illegitimately won. Isn't it interesting that four years later? Trump is saying something similar, saying that his he won the election and Biden is illegitimate. But yet Biden, yet Trump is the one. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is very interesting. I mean, to- it's just like these guys. Are, it, what it is, is you have different kind of imperialist jockeying for power. And Trump, I think, you know, basically the powers that be don't like Trump because he's no. too much of a wild card. He kind of exposes the game a little too much. And, and, like, and again, you know, he's a little too honest, you know, about about some of the things that this country has done. I mean, like a great example of us talking about Syria. Why are we in Syria? We're there to, for the oil. Yeah. And I'm like saying, yeah, it's not about freedom. It's about that oil, son. Yeah. It's about that oil. Yeah. And then when someone like lays it out a little too blatantly, it's like, no, you're supposed to whitewash it, dude. You know, you're supposed to say something else, but still steal the oil. You're not supposed to say, yeah, we're getting their oil. Yeah. You know, you're kind of giving away the cards a little too much because the whole thing about this and, you know, rotting Western imperialism is, of course, we're pirates, but you're not supposed (laughs) to say that. Yeah. You know? And, and 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 there and there's the audacity, the audacity that, you know, even someone, uh, a cartoon villain like Trump can, on occasional, on occasion, can um, can be forthright and honest. Maybe the most forthright and honest he ever has been, because he knows that's what it is. And at the end of the day, you know, the, the powers that be, they're like, okay, we'll tolerate him because we're still getting what we want. It's just that he's just not putting a veil up like uh, his predecessors. Yeah, and, and in the end, they want they just want someone they can control. That's why it's like, you know, like, you know, I was like somewhat young in the later and less, you know, like politically aware because I was in my teens when. It was like the late later end of Reagan's second term when he had Alzheimer's and stuff. But Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. yeah, but I mean, Biden just seems gone. But I mean, then that's great, because then who's running the foreign office? Blinken, Victoria Nuland, Jake Sullivan. So now these people can just do whatever the fuck they want. And Biden will probably just give it a thumbs up anyway, because he's another imperialist, anti-communist, whatever. You know, so it's like they are like, great, we, we have someone we can. And I, I mean, what's just amazing is they're really running him for a second. Like, is he going to be alive four years from now? I, and then, who, and then, now. yeah, and then who are we going to have? I think maybe six months from now. Yeah, and then, and then it's going to be Kamala Harris for president. And oh my god! And it, she is, she is like the queen of word salad. She really just well, like she, some of her like when she goes off script. <laughs> 
there must be people like panicking back in the back behind the scenes because she just she just sounds she sounds again like she's kind of on drugs you know like she's on some xanax or something I don't oh know. yeah definitely she's, uh, it's like she'll just say the most shit it's like she literally will go on for several minutes and it's like what did you just say like nothing like literally nothing. i'm like she's the queen know. of word salad you know, Same again, dude. she's, she's been, out of she, her mind, man. She, she dips heavily in that Pinot Grigio, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she dips heavy in in the Carbonat, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you it's know, probably she some dips, really nice wine, and she has ripped the. You rack, know, it's, it, it, it is like in every interview that I've seen her, it's like you, you had a little taste before you started, For right? For real, you just, man. You wanted For real. You, you want a little bit of a confidence, right? And, you know, and to the point where you just don't care. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I mean, all right, you don't care. And you don't really right. see her out that. That's what I'm saying. Like they don't really trump her around too much, you know. For that that boat that Biden is so out of it, then you're like, all right, well, let's focus on the vice president because. But then she's kind of out of it too. It's ridiculous. Well, this, it's just calm. And this is like, wow, this is it, the it, nation that's supposed to rule the earth. My God, dude, this is like fucking um, Nero, whatever, fucking Roman times. Like, you know, put a fucking yeah. horse in the Senate. I yeah. like Feinstein. Yeah. You know, just like it, it, it really starts to be like, oh, this is what happened when the, when the empire starts to decay. Oh, yeah. And then bombing it, fucking it, Germany, bom- bombing their fucking allies, bombing their infrastructure, like the Nord Stream pipeline. Yeah. And that's one thing that Tucker Carlson, you know, I was just saw these clips floating around. Was on point. I, no, but it's like, how is NATO supposed to stay together if they're bombing each other? If and the main friends. mafia Don is bombing the fucking infrastructure of their puppet. And, and then and, and Germany doesn't even do anything, which, again, it kind of reminded me of like Bernie, you know, still sheepdogging for the people that fucked him. It's like, right. you know, you still have Germany giving Ukraine tanks after the U.S., if, well, you uh, know, bomb their own fucking pipeline. It's it, like, do it you is, guys have any sovereignty? <laughs> do you guys have any respect for your, yourself? You know, and this is not Crazy, saying a lot. Dude. This is not saying a lot, but at least the uh, uh, Francis saw this, and they was trying to like, oh, uh, maybe there's an exit ramp for off ramp for us. Hey, hey, bricks. Hey, room for one more? No, Come but, on, you, but you know what with the what their little fucking games in Africa. Well, one of the things that I thought was a pretty dope thing, I don't know if it's like official or not, but like any country that's sanctioning another member of BRICS is not allowed to be in BRICS. Right. You know? Right. And that's They're kind not- of a genius way of just keeping all these like Western puppet ass countries out because it's like Oh, yeah, stop it with your little fucking sanctioned game, which is just basically yeah. economic warfare. I mean, the that's right. the thing that I think living in the West that I'm getting kind of jaded on with people's and, apathy. And it's like the the, it's like the, the amount of damage that the U.S. does around the world that does yeah. the poorer countries that it tries to bully, like the shit with Syria and even Israel right. bombing them, you know, trying to goat them in the war and, and the U.S. occupying a third of the land. And people in the states cannot even be fucking bothered yeah. to even give a fuck. I mean, that's like, I know I probably don't, you know, maybe I'm shadow banned or I don't have a zillion followers anyway. But it's like, that's the thing. I'll put some, like, joke up and, you know, you'll get, like, 50, 70 likes. And then you put up shit about Ukraine or Syria, you get, like, two likes. 
And I know it's not very exciting news and it's not very fun, but it's like this shit is legitimately so fucked up. It's hard. It's just it, it again, boggles my mind and I'll never get why people don't care about this shit. I will well, never get and, it. And, and, you know? I mean, it's the same thing for me. I mean, look, I'll, I'll put up a picture on 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 my cat friends or dog friends, you know, and I get 100 likes. But anything related to. Uh, anything related to Sudan or 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 Yemen or, yep. or, or, or you know what, what's happening in Chile or, or you know I get nothing. Yeah, I get nothing. And you also have to wonder if like you know the games that they play with the algorithms because also oh, these man, whole with the algorithms. yeah because there's that that thing that was just <laughs> happening with the gray zone that they were yeah. using GoFundMe and then GoFundMe froze their thing because they had external concerns i.e what do you know they got a call from the fucking cia or whatever you know but it's like basically the thing that was really fucked up i will never fucking use gofundme again yeah no yeah this shit was so shitty is that they froze their funds but they only told gray zone they didn't tell any of the people that donated so if i didn't know about gray zone's post or their story i would think the money that i gave them went through to them. Yeah, that is bullshit. Man. So then they had to tell everybody to get their money back, which takes three to five days, and you have to go through this whole form, and then you have to redonate to another company that actually was going to give them the money. So right. again, it's a way to try and fuck with... And they're only trying to raise like $120,000 to hire actual real fucking gener- journalists like, you know, was it uh, Wyatt Reed or whatever, Kit Clarenberg, you know, from the UK... These guys who are awesome fucking real journalists to just give them a meager salary. Meanwhile, as you're mentioning, like Rachel Maddow, how much does she make? Ten million a year to be a fucking yeah. lying, you know, propagandist. And yeah. meanwhile, these guys are just trying to raise like a hundred G's to pay, you know, expand their news team. And doing of course, they're work. trying to fuck with their money, even at that doing fucking real level. Work. Trying you know, to do, fuck with their money. It's like fuck again. I guess get so sick of the system. So you know, and sick again, of it. and so it's not just it. with Gray Zone. It's it's Mint Press News. Oh, yeah, it's Mint Press. Been, they they banned their PayPal, you know, right? Breakthrough News. Breakthrough is awesome. Stuff. I love them, man. You know, they've gone through some stuff. I mean, there's there's like plenty of people. I mean, one of the great things that I can say um, that a lot of these people that I know. Um, were involved, are involved with a lot of these organizations, and they're fighting the good fight. I mean, they like, really are. Those are my heroes. Those are the people I follow all the time. Yeah, you know? I mean, like they're they're amazing folks, man. And I mean, like, and they actually do get it. I mean, like, uh, the last time I wanted to do a fundraiser, I was one. I was supposed to do a fundraiser for Breakthrough News, um, but again. Stuff that fell apart with my mother, and and that that kind of held things back. Yeah, I mean, if you want some help with that, I would love to get involved with something like that. Oh, okay, for cool. real, man. Cool, cool. Yeah, cool, I had cool. I interviewed like Ronnie Kalik on uh, for this podcast uh, a while back, actually before Breakthrough News really got going. Right. Um, but yeah, but she's great. Eugene Pereira is great, and Eugene is awesome. Man. All those guys are. Th- I know he's another guy I was sort of slated that I want an interview for this podcast. Yeah, Eugene. I, yeah. Eugene is a really good guy. He's a really good guy. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's like uh, one of the things that I appreciate about Breakthrough is they've been even before these string of coups in you know Niger and uh, now Gabon, but like 
they they've they've always had like their their spotlight on Africa, and I think even oh, a yeah. lot of leftist orgs, like true leftist orgs, was because there's so much fucked up shit going on, and we're based in the West, so you kind of focus on Western countries or the U.S. That it's like, I I was really appreciative they all their stuff they were getting into with Ep- Ethiopia and uh, right. Right with the Tigray, yeah, Tigre. yeah, those like yeah. the yeah, all those games, which of course was more U.S. sponsored games. Of course, of course, you know, and, of course, and Treya or whatever. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Your Treya, like, yeah, because like you know, again, like you're getting the background on these countries that, you know, I mean, like that guy who is the president of Treya, like, you know, I think he was at that summit in in Russia or whatever the after, but right. he but he's been saying some ill shit. That guy is. I've shared a few videos from that guy, and that dude right. is absolutely spot on. And well, and of course, that's why you never hear about these guys in corporate media because it's like too much fucking truth for the bubble. You know. Well, and 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 one more thing before time runs out here, I'm, you know, and and I and I know you're gonna agree with me when I say this is is that the the audacity the arrogance in 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 and and really in, in in their own hubris of ignorance when someone is going to tell me oh they have an issue with name your african country tie, hooking up with china and russia as if there's something wrong with them and i'm like saying you realize that they have no they know what the deal is better than any of us okay yeah the reason why they hook up and this the reason why they collaborate with russia and china is because russia and china never ever colonialized them before or imperialized and they come them from a, they come from a respect like there was that joke i forget which african uh president you know uh what country said this but it was like you know when west you know when the uk or western countries come here they give us a lecture when china comes here they build a hospital and right. it was like kind of a perfect thing cuz it was like macron talking down to them it's like it's the same shit see you just proved the <laughs> fucking point yeah it shut really, the really, fuck really up is. and get the really. fuck out i mean you know we'll God. see how some of this shit plays wow. out but man <laughs> kick stop. these motherfuckers to the curb Get yeah, the really. fuck out, France. Get they the ain't fuck out, them. U.S. You know, they ain't worried and, about and, which I am so glad. Yeah. I am so glad. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, that's why I, I really, I, I don't like, you know, just this whole concept. And, again, I think it is kind of propaganda where you have a lot of people in the West, in the U.S. It's like, okay, they'll even say, oh, the U.S. sucks. But, uh, well, China, you know, they're imperialist, too. Or China's doing shady shit in China. And it's like, it's not... It's it's not. I don't it's know, man. Comparable. It's not. It's like not you got. Folks. I think you got to look on the ground and look at what China is doing in Africa. And, and right. both of the, both China and Russia have forgiven billions of Ooh. dollars of debt. Where is the IMF and where is the World Bank with that shit? Still trying to squeeze these motherfuckers dry. Make sure make them basically have austerity type policies. You know, after giving them these loans, like it's just loan shark shit. Right. They and, don't and build we, anything. They don't fucking build anything except okay, maybe a Canadian or French mining company comes in to take the wealth back to the West. Right. They they, they that is colonialism. That is imperialism. And and what and, Russia and China are doing, 
I don't no. see it like that. There, there's only one. Not even. Come because, on. Because Russia Come or China, on. which country has bases, military bases, in 49 out of the possible 54 countries on the continent? It ain't China. Yeah. It ain't the U.S. I mean, it, it ain't <laughs> Russia. Yeah. It is the U.S., but yeah. But, and also but, the difference of being invited, like Syria invited Russia to help them out to defeat right. ISIS. You know, where is 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 the U.S. invited to come in and steal like hundreds of billions of dollars no. of oil from Syria they, they that's already fucking poor, and then have the Caesar sanctions and all these like fucking they raid draconian. The sl- yeah, they go into the refrigerator. They want the, you know they they drink up the last of the Kool Aid. <laughs> or even in Afghanistan, after we fuck the country for twenty years, and oh, let's freeze their funds. Because we, right. you know, we don't let, we don't want to let them rebuild. Like the whole idea is just to keep these countries down. Yeah, that's what it, that's that's what it is. It's it, and it's just sick to think like, oh, we're spreading democracy. And it's like, again, you want to talk about like what does progressive mean in the U.S. Western sense? Nothing. What does democracy mean? Nothing. Democracy means colonialism. It's fucking bizarro land. Yeah. Everything is backwards. Everything means the complete opposite of what it say. Everything they say is bullshit. Everything is right. built on a gigantic pile of lies, like yeah. the quote-unquote history of Israel. Just right. a gigantic pile of bullshit. Yeah, Gigantic. So huge. All lies. All lies. So huge. All lies. You know, like Joseph Mossad, you know, I mean, he's like the professor of Columbia. He's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's written a number of articles. Like, he gets deep into, like, the history of Zionism, like, the movements, like, in the 1800s and stuff. And those articles are, like, must-reads. Like, he lays all the shit out. It is, it's like, and, and again... It's just crazy to to live in the West and again, like you know, like I said, be like, okay, I love going to Burning Man. It's a great party, and and there's some good people that go out there. But it's like, why is there a regional burn in Israel? Uh, again, unbelievable. I mean, again. going back to like again, like you know, as even you know, party people, club people, like let's be conscious, right? You know, yeah. you can enjoy the music. We don't have to always agree on everything. We don't even have to agree on the kinds of music that's our favorites or whatever. But let's be a little conscious here, man. I, I you only preaching to the choir. Oh, that's why I want to interview you. You're the man. You know this. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you should probably get back to your wife. I know we've been talking for a while, dude. I know but you're talking. you're the man, and and people really need to check out your show and and put more archives up, man. <laughs> I got to. I, yeah, because really you really you got a lot of shows, man. You yeah, do I your do. thing, man, and it's it's a lot of work. You know, I know you, well, you get into like the interviews and you read quotes and you right. you put a lot of work in those shows. I they're they're very cool, very informative, man. No, thank very you. Informative. Well, this week's show, I'm gonna rebroadcast the program on Gal Costa. It's um because I'm um I'm not going to be able to do my show next week so I'm going to rebroadcast that which also will double as a tribute to Gal Costa. You know, so that should be good. Nice, man. Well, yeah. listen, thank you so much for uh, coming down and uh yeah, man. talking and rapping it's and fun, uh, man. It's fun. Really appreciate it. So And you caught me when I'm sober. I talk <laughs> when I'm usually drunk, man. That'll be part two. <laughs> It'll be part two. The drunk session will be even more. The drunk session. To hear the exclusive Stark Reality playlist from Reggie Johnson, 
90 minutes of vintage African funk, go to episode 60 of Stark Reality. You can catch Reggie Johnson's From the Soundboard radio show on WBAI 99.5 FM in New York City, Tuesdays midnight to 2 a.m., and anytime on WBAI.org. Follow him at Deep Dance NYC on Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to Stark Reality and Stark Reality playlists live and direct on jasoncharles.net, music channel, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. Oh, wow. That's deep. Very, very deep.